you've always thought you couldn't bear press on nails because of all the active things you do? Well, if you're ready for beautiful, natural looking, easy to apply nails, pre-colored in seven luscious hues, just... Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. Oh, goddamn hacker, that second damn night that asshole's cut in. The movement was begun eight months ago by a small group of scientists who discovered, quite by accident, the signals being sent through time. Things giving me a headache. Yeah, tell me about it. Must took the hackers months to figure out how to do this. The poor and the underclass are growing. Racial justice and human rights are non-existent. They have created a repressive society, and we are their unwitting accomplices. Their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness. We have been lulled into a trance. They have made us indifferent to ourselves, to others. We are focused only on our own gain. We Please understand, they are safe as long as they are not discovered. That is their primary method of survival. Keep us asleep, keep us selfish, keep us sedated. Pulling the water out of the sand like sponge. Blow it out your ass. A new study suggests there are actually four times as many real-life psychopaths in senior management than the rest of the workforce. Kind of scary. I don't know who to trust. I know what you mean, Blair. Trust's a tough thing to come by these days. Tell you what, why don't you just trust in the Lord? The way it looked at me. The absolute way it looked at me. And this when it looked at me, it was almost like it was remembering me. Because when he grinned at me, I went to pieces. And, then, and a lot of people are going to think to themselves, he says it grinned at him. You bet it did. You bet it grinned at me. And like I said, Brick, it was almost like it was remembering me. Almost like, I remember you if we run into each other again. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. All I could think of is, I don't have enough shells. There's no way that I can take my kids. I don't have enough shells because there's three and I only have two shells. You know, I'm afraid. I said, I just said, I hope that by the time they get done, they're full. But I didn't know what they were. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! <laughs>
swallow this. don't believe in Satanism, they believe they're contacting interdimensional aliens through the drug use. They're going to merge with the machines, blast off into hyperdimensional space, and that's why they're so crazy. That's why they want to get rid of us. That's why they're smiling and giddy and acting so nuts. They believe they are in contact with these entities and are being directed by them. And the entities are telling them, eternal life, total power, total control, everything you could ever want, just kill everyone, set up a world government, build this design we're telling you, build what we're telling you, build this, build this, let us through, build the Hadron Collider, open the dimensions, let us in, we're going to really help you, we're friendly little guys. Abs in a six pack. It's Abs and a Six Pack coming at you on a Sunday night. We're doing it live, broadcasting live. I'd like to welcome back not only Dean Reiner, but also my long-lost co-host, Noah fucking Beamer. How you guys doing? Fuck yeah. Pretty good, man. Hell yeah. Good to be back. I'm gonna do it live. Fuck it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Yeah, this thing sucks. We're doing it live, Ooh. baby. Lay off the weed. Oh, that was Adam Curry. I was trying to pay, play Alex Jones. We're doing it live, baby. This is a new live son of a bitch. Hell yeah. I got to ask, what was the uh, uh, schizophrenic movie trailer that we were listening to at the beginning of this? I was just a bunch of clips, some from me. Well, uh, Dean sent me a couple clips, which I'm assuming ties into our upcoming topic for this episode and then i picked some clips yeah. out from uh, evil dead and john carpenter's they live and the thing the thing well, dude, sounded great the yeah. number one uh the thing i watch that every thanksgiving if i can it's my thanksgiving Fucking great movie <laughs> they live and the thing john carpenter was a was a was a genius and then of course at the end it was alex jones and we're doing it this live. is a new live son of a bitch <laughs> i pulled that clip from uh his broadcast <laughs> yesterday He's like in the middle of Washington D.C., running around screaming about um, Jesus. Like, I hear. Yeah. He, well, he's talking about. He's not talking about a live broadcast. He's talking about the live HIV virus and the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs> oh right, right. <laughs> this is a new live son of a bitch. But I was like, as soon as I heard him do that, I was like, I gotta go back and clip that because it's the perfect thing for a, when you're doing a live episode. It's almost as good as do it live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Almost as good. Fuck it. Goddamn thing sucks. <laughs> this is a new life, son of a bitch. <laughs> Chicken McNuggets. But yeah, uh, so Jones says the greatest things. I know. Oh, it's good. I mean, I like women with big giant tits and big asses. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that second one was Alex Jones as well. That second one was John C. Dvorak. Shout out to Sir Spencer of the Bowl After Bowl podcast. When I was streaming on the No Agenda stream, I was like, I saw Sir Spencer was in the chat, and I was like, please give me that. Like, And he 
like without missing a beat, he just sent me the Dvorak clip. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so perfect. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yeah, thanks for coming back, Dean. I had a great time with you last Shit, time. Yeah, man, I've been. I haven't uh, stopped thinking about it. I've been up nights thinking about what <laughs> could we, what could we possibly do next? That I mean, it's really it's just throwing a dart at a number of different subjects and topics, but. Um, things around here are just on fire in my little life. And Portland is almost as, it's almost as Portland as it was this last summer, just with all that. There, there, there's a new, there's a new uh, autonomous zone. And so we're getting that. back up there and like the number one, you know, got to be number one in the <laughs> national headlines and got to be cool, got to be in the front. So I'm, I'm fixing to move out of Portland. And if everything goes, Aww. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm Man, moving I don't on. Blame you. I'm moving on, dude. So there'll be no more apartment bunker. We're going to be starting to do shows live and on tape from the chalet. Uh, Ooh, what's out. the chalet? That's a new word for me. Yeah, it's a well, it's like it's a big old fucking A-frame, uh, a little bit out of the city limits of a small town of about ten thousand. So it's pretty cool, big A-frame on an acre and a half. Um, Sounds great, man. It's a chalet. I guess that's the style. But that's going to be the new apartment bunker is in the chalet because this uh, city is completely fucking communist. And, and I've been watching it get worse and worse over the last 10 months. I've hated it over the last 10 years. And it's just gotten to a new low. And I'm just it makes me so agitated and aggravated. And uh, it's depressing when I, I, I literally walk out of my apartment bunker and i just get glared at by everybody who is by themselves in the open air wearing a mask and they just fucking glare at me yeah and it's just even when i'm in my truck just driving through a parking lot people just stop and stare at me and it i'm just like man, that's, that's gotta be kind of uh it's, it's gotta be kind of anxiety inducing man it's horrible well, Larry it's, it's of that Larry show when he was on gave me a good advice he was like when he because he said this he didn't even it wasn't even advice he just said like yeah, like a couple times, like ladies, like white ladies have glared at me for not wearing a mask. And I just glare twice as hard right back at them with just hate in my eyes. And I'm like, that's probably a good. I like that method. <laughs> yeah, I literally had that happen to me today, except I didn't glare back with hate in my eyes. But uh, I was at a grocery store and this lady stopped like and paused in her tracks like five feet from me. And then I walked <laughs> by and I heard her go, oh, it doesn't have a mask. She said that to herself as she was walking away. To herself. Yeah. <laughs> Said it to herself because she's by herself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, she didn't say God. to anybody else. I was yeah. I was walking past her. I was maybe, you know, like six to eight feet away. And I heard her say that. And she said it loud enough, I, I guess, for me to hear, you know. Can <laughs> like, I just start People laughing? People are crazy. It's, it's one mind telling the other mind what's going on. You know, it's, that's, <laughs> that's an example of one person's mind split. They're having a split, a psychotic break. And one mind is saying, he's not wearing a mask. And the other half of the mind is saying, I know. <laughs> it's hilarious that's that exactly it's, what it is, i feel man. like it also comes from like the human need for condemnation whenever i hear people like uh just just you know talking down to others for not wearing masks or doing it just reminds me of myself when i was an extreme evangelist and telling people they were going to go to hell if they didn't do the right thing <laughs> you know but yeah <laughs> dude beamer so yesterday i was listening to your guys's terrence mckenna talk for like the last couple hours of my route oh yeah and it's such a fantastic conversation, you guys, dude. I really, really recommend it to anyone who's listening. Go back to the archives of Absence Six Pack and listen to that McKenna talk. So fucking good. You guys really, really, 
really fleshed out so many cool parallels and contradictions to just the philosophy and then your own personal philosophies. It was really, really cool. But I remember noticing uh, that you have a history of evangelism, Beamer. I think that's so interesting, dude. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brought up hardcore Christian. But man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's been a long time since I uh, listened to that even. So, or, 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 well, did it. I haven't listened to it since. Yeah. But... We might, we probably did that one back in what, April? I think it was. I mean, yeah, possibly. I was thinking, yeah, yeah. April, March, or May, one of those three. Yeah, but yeah, uh, when it first when it first started planning, I was thinking like, ah, oh, man, I should really try to talk to Chris about Alan Watts. And right as I said that, you guys started talking about Alan Watts. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Alan Watts is my guru, man. Love I don't Alan remember Alan. a lot of that episode, but I remember us playing like Ramdas talking to McKenna. The best, and I rem- the best conversation. Yeah, great conversation, and then mm-hmm. like the the uh, the ending where I just played McKenna like advocating for the eugenics and like outlawing male re like the yeah, birth no, of men no spoilers no no spoilers okay, sorry, I, sorry, didn't, sorry. I didn't finish my the bad, episode my bad i'll edit that out. shut oh, the shit. fuck up i thought you okay sorry i thought you finished it <laughs> whoops i tell you what that cheese we tried that i liked couldn't figure out what it was it was swiss cheese oh. <laughs> same hide yeah in the 70s i had i was fucking 25 fat girls <laughs> all right um so we got we have a solid we have a stacked episode tonight with a yes. ton of clips so it's gonna be big. And, and i'm excited we, dean you and i talked a while back and we were like it's we about, talking about like what topics should we do yeah girth times the yaw we need <laughs> a protractor girth. to measure um we were talking about like uh what if we just both picked a topic and laid it on each other so we both did that and as a bonus, Noah's here back back for the first time in a couple episodes. So it's going to be a good episode. What we have to decide now is who goes first. You want to give your presentation or should I do mine? What are we doing? Well, yours mine... looks like it's going to be a lot better than mine from how many clips <laughs> you have. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's, it's possible. I mean, I have a whole stack of clips, but they're all pretty short. And I mean, I could probably run down mine and I think... I mean, who knows, maybe 30, 45 minutes, something like that. If we stop and oh, talk shit. for a while, it could be even a little bit longer. Who knows? Um, I, I, it was- I, I don't know. Actually, I haven't even really read through it all, but I, you know, we don't have to, I don't have to read all this. So we can just Well, how about this? About I got, shit. I just, I just had a, uh, very, not an ingenious idea, but an ungenious idea. I love Noah, how about you pick a number between one and 10? Dean and I will each pick a number, and whichever one's closest to the one you're thinking of is who will go first. All right. Uh, All right, you got your number, Noah? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with eight. Three. Wait, what? You oh, just told well, us what it was oh, before shit. Dean oh, well, okay. Oh, yeah, that's not how it works, to be honest. I've had shit, okay, goals. now we got to come up with a new plan. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, I'll pick another number. All right, <laughs> no, Jesus that is, Christ. It doesn't work. It's ruined. It's ruined. All right. Um, well, how about think this? Of then? Uh, uh, think of a color. Think of a color. We could do one in 100. All right. One in 100. You got your number, Noah? Don't tell us what it is until Dean and I both pick ours. Please. I've, I've got it down now. I think. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. You you pick yours first then, Dean. All right. Um, do I have to say it out loud on the mic? Yeah, probably. That to, would help. Can I? Can I just think it? All right, my number is <laughs> my number is seventy three. Mine was eighty eight. I picked four forty nine. Was mine? 
Well, so, Dean's uh, got Dean, it. Dean, All right. you got it, man. All right. So we're breaking talking about out. Fort Hood, right? Yeah, breaking out of the gates on this Fort Hood thing. So I don't know. Um, do you guys know anything about Fort Hood, Texas? The military, I do not. The military I just, base? I know of it, but I have not looked into it nearly as much as you have, clearly. My uh, mind is virgin on this topic. So, so See, around yeah. here, it's Oak Ridge Labs. We don't really worry about anything else since we're so close to that. Right. There's nothing really over here on the West Coast that I'm familiar with because I'm not an army guy at all. I'm not a military guy. I know a couple of ex-service members, but what made me interested in this particular subject of Fort Hood was like way back in the beginning of the coronavirus, there's every now and then, well, first there was an article that just came out on like the mainstream about a missing soldier, you know, or a soldier found dead in Fort Hood. And so I read this, I read the article and then it, it, it alluded to previous missing soldiers that were found dead or never found in Fort Hood as of like a month ago, you know, before that article. And then in about two weeks, there was another article about another soldier, a different soldier. And so over the period of like, I'd say maybe February, when I started actually looking at it, all the way through the summer, during all of the coronavirus insanity, and the riots and George Floyd, and everything else simmering in the background of Fort Hood, Texas was like about 30 soldiers that all went missing. Some of them were never found. Some of them were found, all of them that were found were found dead. Some of them were found completely dismembered. Some of them were found hanging from trees, naked. Some of them um, were, were clearly suicides. Ow. Other ones, you know, so it's like 30 in about a period of maybe 10 months, you know. And I started watching this ramp up from first it was like six, and then it was eight. And then all of a sudden it was joining a list of 16 missing or dead God soldiers. damn, dude, that's like the LA, or sorry, not, that's like the NYPD police officers that all saw Anthony Weiner's laptop. <laughs> Just fucking the numbers start stacking up. That's the crazy. numbers were stacking up. And so I'm thinking like serial killer, you know, but I'm like, I couldn't be a serial killer on the base. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But so I didn't really start looking into it until just recently um, when there was one particular soldier that went missing who got a lot of national press. And I don't know why it was, I mean, her, she, uh, her name was Vanessa Guillen and she was, she was murdered and then she was dismembered and um, wow. it was a big it was a big deal because it involved other officers that were there and then there was another guy uh, who was found hanging in a tree and he got a lot of press but none more than this Vanessa Guillen like her parents actually her family had a personal meeting with Donald Trump they went all the way to Washington DC there's huge amounts of money involved and I'm looking at like what is so important about this person's death versus the other 26 or 28 people that went missing and, and, and were dead. And so I started looking into Fort Hood a little bit more. And I don't know if you guys remember back in 2009 in Fort Hood, Texas, in the same place, Fort Hood is just right outside of Killeen, Texas. It's kind of, I think it's maybe central Texas, South central Texas. Killeen is the closest town. Um, but there was a mass shooting in 2009 at Fort Hood, which is a huge military base, massive. People usually go from Fort Bliss, and then they get transferred to Fort Hood, and that's where people get deployed in and out of Fort Hood to go to other operations throughout the world, specifically um, in the, you know, in the early 2000s, it was the Middle East. 
But the mass shooting was by this guy who was a major. He was a U.S. Army major named Nidal Hassan, and he killed 13 people and injured 32 others. Wow. He was also a, he was also a practicing psychiatrist at the time. I do remember in, this. Yeah. In That's Fort Hood. incredible. Yeah. He was Muslim. He was devout. And he was radicalized. Shocker. Um, in, yeah, in and out <laughs> of Fort Hood. Um, so I have a bit of information about him. That That's the earliest thing thing I could find without digging into the deep history of 2000 of, of Fort Hood, but that goes back in 2009. And what's interesting is I have a really cool clip, which I think is clip number one, that kind of gives a bit of a background. This was from 2009, where in the clip they say that there was at least uh, two shooters, that there was one shooter and at Did least another it? shooter. So yeah, if you want to play clip one, we can get into that a little bit. This is CNN Breaking News. Rick, thanks. Uh, thank you. We're tracking the breaking news out of Fort Hood, Texas. There's been a mass shooting Brolf. at the Army post there. Mm -hmm. It's the largest in the world. At least seven people are dead and a number of people are hurt, perhaps as many as 15, maybe more. Uh, there are multiple shooters, and not one, but at least two, we are now told. Our Pentagon ding, correspondent, ding. Barbara Starr, has been following the fast-moving developments for us. Update our viewers what we know, Barbara. Hey, uh, just to jump in here real quick, I have a weird anecdote that Brolf reminded me. This, this being, and this is, uh, this is very strange. But uh, you remember the Vegas shooting? I'm sure everybody does. Of course. Mm -hmm. I was working at a grocery store. I won't name the store. I was working at a grocery store at the time, and literally two days after the Vegas shooting. We all had to take a a new, like, they call it CBTs, computer-based training, where you watch, like, a training video. And it was about uh, shootings, like, what to do if, like, somebody shoots up the grocery store. and Yeah, yeah, Brolf, live fire drills. Fucking Brolf, uh, <laughs> Brolf Witzer. Uh, Wolf Blitzer <laughs> was on, uh, <laughs> fucking Brolf was on there, and it was news clips of the Vegas shooting. This whole thing was produced well, like... And it was wow. the specific grocery store that I worked at, that exact same chain. And it was a video of this guy coming in to that grocery store that I worked at, mowing wow. people down with ARs and a shotgun after his AR ran out of ammo, like well-produced. And I'm just thinking like they had this ready to roll out, clearly had made it not in two days. Like this was well-produced. It has like Brolf yeah. talking about the Vegas shooting and they had it ready to roll out two days after the Vegas shooting. And that yeah, made dude, me the, the, the production. My coworker was like, if we ever are, after we insane. watched that, he was like, if this if our grocery store ever gets shot up, you know it's gonna be like six CIA dudes in full body armor. Boston Marathon bombings. <clears throat> ding ding ding. You know, I mean those yeah. guys <laughs> with the black Punisher shirts and the black backpacks that were all seen yeah. and reported on in San Bernardino local news, and then all of it was just erased. Parkland, or, no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was San thing. Bernardino, but not, um, yeah, and, and yeah, and the Boston Marathon bombings as well. Like, yeah. it's fucking nuts, man. Honestly, yeah, I, anyway. I have a memory of uh, watching the uh, events that got um, Alex Jones banned. You know, uh, unfolding before me on the on the TV at my grandmother's house when I was uh, pretty young. Uh, you know, watching base, you know, Sandy Hook happen. I remember seeing multiple men in black, like mm -hmm. around. They had some sort of video of it or something like that. 
They changed uh, what kind of weapons were found in the trunk, and then there was the helicopter footage of police chasing that guy into the woods, and then later they said that never happened. And back before YouTube was super super censored, you could see breakdowns of all this, but that's all been wiped. Yeah, it's all gone. Yep. Anyway, yeah, I didn't mean wild. to derail it with the... That, well, I mean, what the, just, what the fuck? You <laughs> fucked up my, my clip. <laughs> sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. My thoughts on that mass shooting at the military base, it just, it just, it seems kind of odd that one guy could uh, kill so many and injure so many other soldiers and other uh, other people who are armed at a right. military base Well, you, um, I mean, you, without yeah, somebody else helping them. That's the thing. You heard Brolf fucking say, and to be fair, this Brolf. clip, <laughs> Brolf says... <laughs> Okay, Brolf says, but Brolf also says this at the time it was happening, I think on the same day, you know, you know how these assholes are in the major news, like, like they're really excited about it, they have it all going on in the situation room and everything's up to minute updated, but he said it at least two shooters, multiple shooters, he said it mm -hmm. two times. So yeah, start the clip over again. We'll do it live! Do it live! <laughs> <laughs> this is a new live son of a bitch! is CNN breaking news. Rick, thanks. Uh, thank you. We're tracking the breaking news out of Fort Hood, Texas. There's been a mass shooting at the Army post there. It's the largest in the world. At least seven people are dead and a number of people are hurt. Perhaps as Rolf many sounds as 15, so excited. He's like more. creaming himself. Uh, there are multiple shooters and not one, but at least two. We are now told our Pentagon correspondent Barbara Starr has been following the fast moving developments for us. Update our viewers what we know, Barbara. Wolf, according to all of the military officials we've talked to over the last several minutes, here's the emerging picture. 1.30 this afternoon, Central Time, at least two shooter, shooters uh, began this incident on Fort Hood. We believe at this hour, seven people dead, 12 to 15 wounded, taken to the Darnell Medical Center, possibly more wounded. We do not know how many of the dead and wounded are military, how many are civilian. Fort Hood is a massive installation. Tens of thousands of military and civilian personnel work there. As you just saw Rick Sanchez interviewing Sergeant Major Jamie Poston uh, at Fort Hood, he said one shooter has been out. Wait a minute, did she just say Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty? <laughs> I think she did. What the fuck? Fort Hood is a massive installation. Tens of thousands of military and civilian personnel work there. As you just saw Rick Sanchez interviewing <laughs> Sergeant Major Jamie Poston uh, at Fort Hood, he said one shooter has been apprehended. They are looking at this hour for another shooter. The base is in lockdown. Nobody in, nobody out. Wolf. <laughs> okay, pausing it right there. Dude, this is clearly just cross a Rick and Morty crossover episode. <laughs> Fucking Rick Sanchez portaled into Fort Hood, and, you know, shenanigans happened. Shenanigans. Another shooter. The base <laughs> is in lockdown. Nobody in, nobody Rick out. Sanchez. Uh, the troops normally, they rotate uh, off to uh, Afghanistan or Iraq. A lot of them do, at least from Fort Hood. Is that right? Absolutely, Wolf, and in fact, that may prove to be critical in this incident. The sh one of the shooting uh, locations was a soldier processing center and a nearby theater complex next door, but the soldier processing center is the area where troops move in and out. When they come back to Fort Hood from tours in Iraq or Afghanistan, they come through this facility. When they process out of Fort Hood, 
to go to the war zone, they go through there. There is always a lot of traffic in that area, a lot of soldiers lined up, coming and going all the time. Uh, to be clear, Wolf, we don't have very many facts about this, but Fort Hood is an installation uh, that has had very heavy deployments. They have had issues with suicides, combat stress down there. We have no idea if that played a role in any of this. But these young troops that come through Fort Hood have seen an awful lot of combat action. Those of them that have come back certainly thought they were at Fort Hood safe back at home. And now this terrible incident, Wolf. Yeah, we just want to stress we have no idea why these shooters and this, the spokesman for the base says there were at least two shooters, one apprehended, one still at on the loose right two now. Shooters. We have no idea what, what the motive uh, was, if there's any rational motive indeed at all. Barbara, stand by. Your colleague, Chris Lawrence. Well, holy shit, we could spend three hours just on that clip alone, but I will okay, right. say one, one point is um, kind of brings a new meaning to what's good in the hood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My God. <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I was going to say, uh, or, or ask, I mean, I, I'm assuming they checked for connections between the identity of the claimed, you know, shooter um, and... The people that were killed right like was there any involvement or any like you know knowledge or did, just did it seem to be random killings it it you know according to the book of knowledge according to wikipedia it was all pretty random and yet really really concentrated um towards specific people that were carrying firearms like for instance he um bypassed a lot of uh, military officers and personnel who were in the processing center who were not armed, who weren't particular targets, is what the Wikipedia entry about this guy. Um, Wait a minute. So if he's supports. only going after people that are armed, why wouldn't the people that are armed shoot back? Or I guess that maybe they did. Well, I have a little bit of information about that. So to kind of to back up a little bit. So this guy, not only is he a soldier, he's a Muslim. He's, uh, you know, he's a lone gunman, according to the Book of Knowledge, U.S. Army major and psychiatrist. All right. So he was a psychiatrist that had been practicing for quite a long time in, in Fort Hood and, in a, and around the Killeen area. Really? Specifically working yeah. with veterans uh, who were coming back from deployment, coming back from combat with PTSD. And a lot of those other soldiers um, and personnel were also Muslim. So he, he kind of radicalized himself through his relationship with his patients. So um, before like the DARPA shit. Before I mean, if I can attack, just make one more comment on that real quick. I mean, like if he's a major in the military and simultaneously a psychiatrist, like a military psychiatrist, I mean, do you guys know yeah. how much a psychiatrist makes yearly? Uh, it's, I, it's I an, couldn't say. A, a child psychiatrist in the consumer sector makes around two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year on average. So that's that's yeah. not even a, a poor or a, a really you know well-performing psychiatrist. So this yeah. guy's not even he's not lacking finances or or material things either. Nor nor you is know? he lacking prestige or placement. I mean, the guy's a U.S. Army major. Exactly. He's a major, a major, major, a major, major, a general major. <laughs> you know, right. he's a major, major. Um, I mean, so he's, anyway, he's got to be making a lot of money. So, I mean, that's just, that's wild for him to get yeah. radicalized. So he was wounded in the attack, but before the attack, he went to a place called Guns Galore, which we'll learn more about a little bit later on. It's a gun shop in Killeen called Guns Galore. And they have something like 17,000 guns, like in stock. And they have like over 1,500 um, on display. It's where everyone in 
the Killeen, Texas area goes to get guns. He went to Guns Galore, which is such a great name, and asked <laughs> specifically for, this is according to witnesses in the Book of Knowledge, quote, the most technologically advanced weapon on the market and the one with the highest standard magazine capacity. That's his quote. That's the weapon he was asking for. What? He, he purchased the gun. It's a big old high-tech automatic pistol, and I'm, I didn't bother writing it down or recording it. He purchased the gun, and he went to the store, Guns Galore, once a week for the next following weeks to buy extra magazines, um, with, and then along with <laughs> over 3,000 rounds of ammunition. Um, and during this time, this is weeks prior to the attack, he visited an outdoor shooting range in Florence, Texas, where he became adept at hitting silhouette targets at distances of up to 100 yards. So this was definitely... Yo, 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 I got guns. I'll hurt you. I'll take you down. I'm a dangerous thug. <laughs> That's kind of what he was thinking out there, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so on the day of the shooting, um, at 134 approximately, uh, approximately... 134. I don't know how you can say that's an approximate number. That seems like a really specific Appro time. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe like because 134 and 20 sec, 23 seconds. Yeah. Okay. That's 34 way and more three seconds. Oh, yeah. Specific. Yeah. Yeah. So November 5th, sense. 2009, 134 p.m., approximately or Bro. thereabouts. Night <laughs> uh, uh, Double Hassan, check with Brolf on that number. <laughs> yeah. He went into, uh, like they said, in the soldier, ready, soldier readiness processing center. Uh, because he himself was preparing to deploy to Afghanistan with his unit. And he walked in uh, and went into the processing center and turned immediately to the right and went to the very first desk that was right there at the right when you walked in. And he asked to see a specific Major Parrish. Uh, and so the guy that was working the desk went to go get Major Parrish. And as he walked away, Nidal Hassan uh, went around the desk where this guy was sitting at sat in the desk for a minute, bowed his head for several seconds. Again, this is according to the Book of Knowledge. He bowed his head for several seconds, and then he suddenly stood up and shouted, Akbar!" <laughs> of course, as they do, and opened fire. And according to testimony from the witnesses, uh, Nadal Hassan passed up several opportunities to shoot civilians and instead targeted soldiers in uniform who in accordance with military policy, were not carrying personal firearms. So I'm going to reread that again. So according to witnesses in the Book of Knowledge, he passed up several opportunities to shoot civilians and instead targeted specifically soldiers in uniform who he knew were not permitted to carry a weapon. So he was shooting unarmed military personnel. And at well, one what point, happened to Major Parrish? Did he perish? I don't, I don't know. Hey, that was a good one, yeah. Um, at one point, Hassan reportedly approached. <laughs> at one point, he approached a group of five civilians that were hiding under a desk, and according to witnesses, he looked at them, swept the dot of his laser-sided pistol over one of the men's faces, and turned away without firing. Very dramatic. Uh, and in the end, the attack left thirteen people dead and thirty-two people injured, including himself when he was shot in the spine and had then rendered him paralyzed from the waist down before being arrested and court-martialed. Wait, so he so, got arrested and court-martialed and then died from the shooting? From no, shot? no, he's still, he's still alive. He's on death row. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was never killed. Um, he killed a bunch of people. They, he's, of course, they, unmarried. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Beam. I was going to say, do they have any uh, video footage of, of the incident? From security cameras anything like that i'm assuming it's probably like you know not 
available to the public. It's probably like the footage of the just, Pentagon getting hit by a plane. They got two uh, yeah, frames. I, I mean, it's a, if it's I, a yeah. soldier processing center, I'm assuming they have security cameras. Even back in 2009, they should you probably have so, security post 9/11. Yeah. You know, exactly. No, they, I mean, they no. I mean, they've got security, security cameras center, weren't in the budget. Secu- security cameras in grocery stores. I mean, and, and yeah, even back but, then. So, but yeah, but like, not in the MDC with fucking Epstein. That's uh, you know, it's just gone. Those things yeah. just weren't working. They well, got security cameras the... in your shoe, but not at the MDC and not, <laughs> yeah. at, you know, and not at the fucking Pentagon and not yeah. in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like... All, all we yeah. found out from Vegas was from people filming with their cell phones. And most of that's been wiped from the Internet now. But you can see there's still like if you look hard enough, hundreds of people in Vegas saying like filming gunshots and hearing them from multiple bit windows in different buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, so I mean, moving on because we, we got we got a lot of stuff in this here. Yeah, we're, uh, we're still on clip. Pick it apart we're not yet. even to clip two yet, so we got a ways to. I know. All right, so uh, Book of Knowledge wants you to think that this guy is uh, just a sick, lone, radical gunman because, of course, he's unmarried and described by his peers as socially isolated. Uh, he was born in the United States. He's a practicing Muslim who, according to one of his cousins, and I don't know if you guys know many Middle Eastern people. I don't know that many, but I do know. Um, one Syrian individual, and it's all about cousins. He got cousins and cousins and cousins and cousins. Uh, according to one of his cousins, he became more and more devout after the deaths of his parents in 1998 and 2001. His cousin did not recall him ever expressing radical or anti-American views. Yet another cousin, uh, Nader Hassan, who is a lawyer in Virginia, said that night all. Uh, night all's opinions turned against the United States after he heard stories from his patients who had returned from fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq. And because of what he said was discrimination and his deepening anguish about serving in a military that fought against Muslims, he told some members of his family that he wanted to leave the military. This is a major. This is a guy who's been up in the ranks and a practicing psychiatrist through the military. So he's he's embedded and he wants to leave because he's radicalizing himself. So that was in 2009 when he shot the place up. But from 2003 to 2009, period of six years, he was stationed at Walter Reed Medical Center, which is the same medical center that treated Mm. uh, President Donald J. Trump for his coronavirus. Uh, He was stationed at Walter Reed for his internship. That's where they say the aliens are buried under under, uh, the Roswell aliens are still under on on ice under Walter Reed. Of course, dry ice. That's the same dry ice they're packing with the vaccine, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, so open up your eyes man (laughs) at walter reed uh he had his internship and residency he also had a two-year fellowship at uniform uniformed services university of health sciences which he completed in 2009 and according to npr which of course is a state-sponsored information propaganda station officials at walter reed Medical Center repeatedly expressed concerns about Hassan's behavior during the entire six years he was there. His supervisors gave him poor evaluations and warned him that he was doing substandard work. In 2008, and on later occasions, several key officials met to discuss what to do about Hassan. This is a year before the shooting. Several key officials met to when what are key officials? Who are these people? Isn't it funny how every single mass shooter gets like multiple visits from like the fucking FBI and like yeah. all these and then they just never do shit about it? 
Yeah, there's multiple Crazy. interceptions on these interve- multiple interceptions on these particular individuals, whether it's uh, the the Aurora shooter, you know, or even fucking I think I mean maybe not Dylan Roof, but in any case, so yeah, they all want to know what to be done about Hassan. And so uh, attendees of these meetings reportedly included uh, the Walter Reed, chief of psychiatry, the chairman of the US, US UHS psychiatry department, two assistant chairs of that same department, uh, one of whom was the director of Hassan's psychiatry fellowship, another psychiatrist, and the director of Walter Reed's psychiatric residency program, just a bunch of smarty pants. So the whole bunch of smarty pants, <laughs> the fucking experts all got together to decide what to be done, what's to be done about the boy. And according to NPR, fellow students and faculty were, quote, deeply troubled by Hassan's behavior, which they described as being disconnected and aloof, paranoid, belligerent, and schizoid. And they had reason to believe this because once while presenting what was supposed to be a medical lecture about other psychiatrists and two other psychiatrists, Hassan talked about Islam and Islam only and said that according to the Quran, non-believers would be sent to hell, decapitated, set on fire, and have burning oil poured down their throats. What? Why didn't he get fired right there? Like, what the fuck? That's what he talked about in his presentation. (laughs) So I'm not buying this. This is all book of knowledge, man. This is Wikipedia. And I, I only brought this because it is Wikipedia. I know that I could right. probably, if I had a lot more time, I could dig and find some more objective reporting. And probably, you know, the only place to find this kind of stuff really is the mi- microfish or what they call it, uh, macrofish, microfish, newspaper clippings that are stored in archives or even like the <clears> way <throat> back Wikipedia machine. is, is uh, supposedly way more reliable than it used to be because – like you can edit it, but it's not going to actually get approved and go up. And then also when YouTube or, you know, Facebook or whatever fact check something, it always has the Wikipedia article like debunking that conspiracy right below the video. Like I remember when the uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral was on fire, there was some kind of algo mess up and all, all the fires of the Notre Dame, burnt, uh, Notre Dame Cathedral burning below each YouTube video was like a thing debunking the 9-11 conspiracy. Mm. Yeah, so that's... Wikipedia is the book of knowledge according to the experts. According to the Science. experts. It's state-sponsored propaganda. I don't care what anyone says. And like every other state-sponsored propaganda, where it's N- whether it's NPR or the fucking post office, every single year, Wikipedia nudges you to give them money. It's just yeah. fucking... It pisses me off. So anyway, yeah, and that that lecture where he was talking about Islam and the Quran and decapitation, um, you know, he apparently justified the suicide bombings, things like that. And in the summer of 2009, which was just, um, gosh, let me see. So this all happened in November. So a few months before the shooting, um, he was transferred to Fort Hood from Walter Reed. After he completed his programs, he was transferred to Fort Hood. And, of course, this was in the same period of time that the experts were all wondering what to do with Hassan. And so they decided to transfer him to Fort Hood. And while he was at Fort Hood, he rented an apartment away from all the other officers, of course, because he's a quiet loner in a somewhat rundown area because he has no self-esteem because he hates himself and humanity and specifically white people. 
So he rented a shitty apartment away from everybody else so he could continue the isolation. And two days before the shooting, he gave away all of his furniture from his home, saying that he was going to get rid of it because he was going to be deployed and probably wouldn't make it back. He also handed out copies of the Quran along with his business cards, which gave a Maryland phone number and read Behavioral Health, Mental Health, Life Skills Coaching, Nidal Hassan, MD, MPH, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so Dwayne Reasoner, who was a convert to Islam, whom Hassan was mentoring throughout the six years that he was back and forth between um, Walter Reed and various other stations, Dwayne Reasoner said that Hassan did not want to be deployed to Afghanistan, Iraq, or anywhere. He said that Muslims shouldn't be in the U.S. military at all because obviously Muslims shouldn't kill Muslims. He told me not to join the army. This is a quote from Dwayne Reasoner. So that's what happened with Nidal. That was 2009. That was the, you know, the most front way back machine kind of article about something fishy going on at Fort Hood. Just, I mean, with the clip alone, and then you juxtapose the clip to the Book of Knowledge entry about the guy who is, according to the Book of Knowledge, he's the single sole assassin. But of course, right. at the time yeah. of the event, there was at least two shooters. At um, least. He was yeah, he was... in. And, he, and Brolf, thanks Brolf, uh, Brolf, Brolf Witzer um, says it two <laughs> or three times. But yeah, he was convicted in 2013 of 13 counts of murder and 32 counts of attempted murder, and he was sentenced to death. So 2009, <clears throat> nothing really happened there at Fort Hood for a few more years until 2014, when there was another mass shooting by specialist Ivan Lopez, which left three dead and 16 injured. Um, if you want to play clip number two, Ivan Lopez. The hours leading up to Specialist Ivan Lopez's deadly rampage gave no hint of what was to come. So you, you see him come down the stairs, he says goodbye, and that's the last you saw of him hours before the attack. Yeah. Aisha Bradley says Lopez moved into his off-base apartment building about a month ago. He, his wife, and young daughter were friendly, approachable, and in every way, she says, normal. You've said hello to him, you've talked to him? Yesterday. What did he see? What did he seem like? He seemed pretty fine, happy. He didn't seem like, you know, the type that would do what he did. At 12.30, just minutes later, Lopez paid the rent, added his wife's name to the lease, and left. Still, no sign of trouble. Lopez spent nine years in the Puerto Rico National Guard, one year with an observer force in Egypt's Sinai Desert. In 2011, he served four months Puerto driving Rico. trucks in Iraq. <laughs> he went on to Fort Bliss near El Paso, and in February, he transitioned here to Fort Hood. He had a clean record in terms of uh, his uh, behavioral, no uh, outstanding bad marks for any kinds of major misbehaviors that uh, we are yet aware of. Yet there were concerns lurking just beneath the surface. Lopez asked for help with PTSD, but had yet to be diagnosed with it. We have uh, very strong evidence that he had a uh, medical history uh, that indicates uh, unstable psychiatric or psychological condition. Lopez had been prescribed powerful antidepressants and the sleep drug Ambien. He was getting uh, help. Roseanne Barr. seen just last yep. month by a psychiatrist. Uh, he was fully examined, uh, and as, as of this morning, we had no uh, indication on the record of that examination that there was any sign of 
of uh, likely violence either to himself or to others, no suicidal ideation. Dr. Javier Amador interviewed Major Nadal Hassan, who killed 13 people here at Fort Hood in 2009. Mental health issues, he says, must be aggressively treated, particularly when antidepressants are given. You have to be very cautious and, and take care to be aware of which symptoms are improving more quickly than others. People's motivation comes back, their ability to sleep comes back, they feel more energy, but they're still feeling hopeless and suicidal. The gun Lopez used in his killing spree, a Smith & Wesson 45, it was purchased legally and properly, sources say, on March 1st at Guns Galore here in Killeen. It's the same place Major Nidal Hassan purchased his semi-automatic pistol before his 2009 Ooh. rampage and where Jason Abdo, who wanted to repeat Hassan's acts, purchased ammunition and gunpowder. Those purchases led to a government sting operation and Abdo's arrest before he could carry out his plans to kill. Even though Lopez bought his gun legally, the military says any gun on base must be registered. His was not. Oh. Gotta lay off the weed. I've learned my lesson. I'm never, ever, ever gonna smoke weed again. <laughs> yeah. I love that clip of Adam Curry going, Oh, I gotta lay off the weed. <laughs> it still actually sounds like him, even though it's like 35 years old. Yeah, for swamp thing. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I, the one thing I noticed, I dinged the bell. Yeah. I is he bought the guns from the same place as the guy in 2009. Did I hear that right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Weird. Same, uh, same type of weaponry, not the exact same gun, but same type of, you know, fully auto type stuff, which it kind of gives you an idea of what kind of, uh, obviously it's just, it's the wild west. We're talking about Texas. You can literally probably buy, you know, anti-aircraft fucking ordinance at this guns galore place, but guns galore seems to be the joint where you want to go, uh, to get all of your, uh, destructive capabilities, your firepower. I didn't point this out earlier, but the uh, Hassan guy, I mean, the the quote from him, that direct quote, him asking what the best thing on the market was and that he wanted yeah. that. Is the just most didn't technologically right advanced. It, make, it doesn't make a lot of sense if that guy's a major in the military. Why is he asking some fucking clerk at a store what the best gun is? He should fucking know. Like, I think, I mean, it. I mean. Yeah, but Beamer, dude, it, 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 it lends itself to the propaganda in the book of knowledge because that is a full <laughs> quote of a whole pile of words it's probably at least a 16 17 18 word sentence quote now unless someone was writing that down or recording right. that conversation how would they know that those are the exactly. exact words in the exact same sequence to be recorded into history and put into the book of knowledge 15 years later you know it's right. bullshit it's it's fucking manufactured yeah. these motherfuckers couldn't even they had like eight fbi agents and a bunch of dallas pd in the room with oswald for like 10 hours after he supposedly shot jfk and they didn't write down a word of it and supposedly they wrote down what this fucking dude said <laughs> or someone remembered it word yeah. for word right oh yeah and even i saw if, that and, guy okay. at the store yeah he said this <laughs> and and let's just let's just you know give him the benefit of the doubt if someone, if Nidal actually did use those words, I want the most technologically advanced weapon with the highest, you know, single round magazine capacity. What kind of a trained, programmed type of, you know, word grouping is that? You know, you don't, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a major in the army. But if I was yeah. going to go looking for a weapon, I would say, uh, let me see that one. Let me get right. that one. Let, right. let me hold it. Let me hold it. How much does this shoot? How much does this cost? 
What's the best? Exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have these these descriptors that are clearly quoted from the back of a package of merchandise. You know, right? Like, Cracker right. Jack box shit. Yeah. What the right. Fuck? It's it's advertisement. It's advertisement. So, <laughs> all right. Yvonne Lopez, Ivan Lopez, Iraq War veteran, 2014, shot up the same place. He's a specialist, which means he's not like he he's okay. So specialist is kind of the loose term, as far as I understand it. I know I'm probably going to get help from uh, Army jarheads, but it's like you're you're not a private first class, but you're also you get paid the same, and I think you're treated the same as a as a corporal, but you're not a colonel. And you're not a major, and I don't know. I was gonna say he's not he, that much of a specialist because his body count was, you know, what eleven less than the guy before him. Yeah, he's clearly <laughs> a fucking amateur. <laughs> oh my god, he hasn't done shit. Yeah, uh, but he did. He did go to Iraq and probably shot up um, a lot of people. He he claims that he saw a lot more action than people testify that he didn't. So he claims that he was like in the heat, in the shit in Iraq. But a lot of people that were in his unit said, "Nah, he's full of shit. He didn't do anything. He just drove trucks around." <laughs> anyway, he wasn't he wasn't a thing called Operation New Dawn as security detail. And if I don't know if you guys remember, I remember a little bit about um, the Iraq War and the ongoing Middle Eastern controversy. Security detail, uh, you know, you're 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 basically you're you're tailing contractors and private contractors as the and mercenaries, and uh, you know, like the. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, economic hitman type and the mercenaries, you're just tailing these guys around your security detail or your, um, your, uh, uh, what is it? Um, escort, you know, you're escorting top brass right. or low mid-level brass or, or other hostages or whatever. Anyway, he was married. Uh, this guy, Ivan Lopez married four children, two of them from a previous marriage. He's a specialist previously assigned to Fort bliss, which is usually the jump off point. People go from deployment somewhere else, training, like in South Carolina or uh, um, wherever, and then they end up at Fort Bliss, and then they move on to Fort Hood, and then they go from there to to deployment. So he was previously assigned to Fort Bliss. He was transferred to another base for four months and then moved to Fort Hood for two months before the shooting. He was only in Fort Hood for two months, about 60 days. And while there, he was all pissed off and hot-bothered, distraught over financial issues because they don't get paid shit, and the deaths of his grandfather and then his mother right back to back between a period of two months. And this was five months before the shooting. So just before he moved to Fort Hood, family members died. He's broke. Um, he's dealing with the trauma and the, not the trauma, but the grief of having lost some of his family. And he's Puerto Rican. So it's a different kind of love for your family than I understand here as a Western American who is detached from my family completely. But as far as it, from what I understand, Puerto Ricans, Hispanics, and many other, many other uh, cultures love their family. I don't. Uh, but anyway, so he was also, <laughs> un- I love their families, but not my own. He was also yeah, undergoing. It's cold. Reg- <laughs> my family's stupid. They're, they're they're just dumb. They're stupid. I love them, man. But I mean, I, I don't love them. Love them. I mean, I haven't. Whatever. Uh, yeah, that, but man. I don't mean bitches in a disrespectful way. That's I mean exactly it as a general right. word for women. That's right. Yeah. So uh, during this time, um, these four or five months that he lost his family and shit, he was depressed. He's going. Uh, He's undergoing regular psychiatric treatment for depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So uh, that was a 
part of his daily regiment throughout all of this time, losing his family, coming in and out of different deployments uh, before he was stationed at Fort Hood. Um, so when his mom died, which was just a couple months, I think within maybe five months of the shooting, which was... Um, before or after March, the shooting? Uh, five months before the shooting on March right. 1st, his mom died. And he wanted to take some leave from the army in order to attend uh, her funeral in Puerto Rico. <laughs> it, it took five days for that leave to be approved. And I can testify to some reality behind that for sure. I have no doubt that's the case because I myself am an employee of the federal government. And in order to do anything that takes you away from your duty, your assignment, you have to sign up and apply for specific types of leave. And... Um, and that leave has to get approved and there's a form and there's a form for a form and there's a form for the receipt of a form. And then you got to sign another form that says you that you received the receipt for the form that you signed the form for. It's so much bureaucratic <laughs> bullshit. And that's why they want to keep these systems in place because it keeps tens of thousands of useless mid-level management pencil pushing jobs in place. It's almost as bad as signing off on your kid's field trip. It's, it's worse. Or, or it's popsicle day, I guess. Oh yeah, we had that popsicle day with the, the boom arm. With the boom arm, <laughs> they're doing another one on Thursday. Um, <laughs> it's, it's I know really it's good. so. I I was talking with Ping Troop about popsicle day because I thought it was so funny, and then he pointed out how depressing that actually is for a kid, and I felt bad about laughing so hard at popsicle day. Dude, it's changing their brain, man. It's changing yeah. their brain. That's also why I'm getting the fuck out of this shithole, and I know it's like. That's a whole nother conversation. Stay out of the okay, cities. So, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, go that's, ahead. That's kind of where I'm at. So it took five days for the leave uh, to go see his mom for the funeral to get approved. And this leave only allowed him to be absent for 24 hours. So he was allowed this leave, but he had to leave Fort Hood, fly down to Puerto Rico, and then fly back <laughs> within within 24 hours. And that obviously would upset anybody. So that pissed I wish I off. had some like Mexican salsa background music. It would make this so much better. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, dude. You don't want to confuse Puerto Ricans with Mexicans because they don't like each other, as far as I understand. Big cultural vibe there. They don't. It's a, there's a schism. It's funny. All the different. Well, I don't cultures, mean bitches in a disrespectful way. No, they. No, no, no. These diff, different cultures. We all. We all hate each other. That's the, that's the funny thing. We all why? fucking. Because fuck them. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. So anyway, he bitched about this 24 hour relief that took him five days to get. And so he eventually got it extended to two days. Uh, but then uh, more recently, according and this is just the words that I picked out of the book of knowledge. More recently, Lopez had asked for a transfer from Fort Hood. Um, this is before he applied for the leave. So in that two months that he was there and the so five months before he got, well, let me back this up a little bit before people get confused. Five months before the shooting, his family members died. Two months before the shooting, he was transferred from Fort Bliss to Fort Hood. It was while he was at Fort Hood that his he wanted leave to go to the funeral. Now, I don't know why the funeral would have been three months after the death. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it was during this time that he had um, applied for a transfer from Fort Hood because despite all the other things that he was upset about with the family and the leave and all the bullshit being broke, um, he was claiming that he wanted to transfer because he was being taunted and picked on by other soldiers in his unit. And this is 
a quote being taunted and picked on. This is going to be an ongoing theme as we go forward with Fort Hood. So on March 1st, 2014, over a month before the shooting, uh, he purchased the weapon. Um, he, yeah, he purchased the weapon for the shooting from the same store, Guns Galore, uh, that the Fort Hood shooting in 2009 uh, that Hassan bought his store from. He then reportedly, he then reported the unregistered weapon was stolen. So he bought it, didn't register it. You're not allowed to do that in the military, or at least at, at Fort Hood. He reported that same unregistered weapon stolen and replaced it the following day following a burglary where he claims to have been robbed by two men. So I know that sounds kind of convoluted. He bought the gun and then the next day reported it stolen. It wasn't registered. He replaced it the following day, and that was all following a burglary he claims to have had when he was robbed by two men. There's no other information about who those two men were or if the robbery actually happened. Um, but on March 24th of 2014, Lopez's battalion began tracking a 10-day permissive temporary duty request he made immediately after arriving at Fort Hood so he could help his family relocate to an apartment in Colleen as his current apartment was burglarized. So on or about between the 1st of March to the middle of March, he was getting attention from people as far as all these requests that he was applying for uh, to move his family. And then he wanted to get a new apartment because he said his place was burglarized. Burglarized is kind of an interesting word. Uh, apparently in this particular period of time, his gun was stolen and he wasn't allowed to have it, but he reported it anyway, which is kind of weird. And then he bought a new one. Uh, he was given a four-day pass by his Wait a minute, sergeant. wait a minute, wait a minute. He okay. he wasn't allowed to have a gun. Someone he stole his gun, and he reported yeah. that they stole it, but then they still let him buy another one legally? He wasn't, he wasn't allowed to have an unregistered gun. Oh, okay. So by having an unregistered gun, and then he reported it stolen... To me, it seems like he would have put himself in the spotlight for having an unregistered weapon, but he still right. he still he still reported it, which seems odd to me. And then by after reporting it, he replaced it the same day. So he maybe he wanted two guns. Maybe there was another shooter. Um, maybe he maybe he um, I don't know. Maybe he wanted a new gun that was clean. Or the first gun that he got was illegitimate, or or he maybe he wanted a gun that was dirty. I, I don't know. It just seems really weird with the stolen weapon thing, and then his apartment getting burglarized. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Was was his family there when the apartment was burglarized? Because he put in the request to move his family afterwards. Yeah, so. I don't think his family was there. I think he was just. I think he had just arrived there um, within a couple weeks before uh, applying to get a new apartment. And to get um, what they call a temporary duty, 10-day permissive temporary duties so he could break away, I guess, to move people into his new place. Um, he was given the four-day pass by his acting sergeant who informed him that he would receive uh, his temporary duty after his return. I don't really know what that means. I'm not versed in the military language. He took the pass from March 27th to March 30th. He returned to Fort Hood on March 31st. Um, and then when he received his temporary duty form, it was filled with errors and Lopez had to submit it with corrections. He had to resubmit the whole thing because all the paperwork was incorrectly filled out and it would have 
stop the process. Uh, so though he corrected, though the corrected form was actually eventually signed, it didn't have a control number, which is reported to have led to the conflict and the 49th Transportation Battalion office that sparked the anger and the situation that apparently sparked the shooting. So he had all this stuff going on, um, trying to get leave to go home, PTSD, depression, being picked on, taunted by other soldiers in his unit was brand new to Fort Hood, uh, trying to get leave to go home to bury his mom. And then his he uh, his apartment gets robbed. Apparently, he gets robbed by two guys. His place gets burglarized. There's a whole weird thing with a gun. And then as he's trying to get all through all the bureaucratic bullshit fucking paperwork that has to get done and signed and approved and and filled out correctly and perfectly. And believe me, these kind of forms, these federal forms need to be filled out perfectly to get this thing to go through because all of these systems require this illusion that everything is perfect. And if there's one little fly in the ointment, the whole machinery stops and everything has to start over again. That's what makes it. That's what, that's that. That's the whole thing behind the phrase, uh, the wheels of justice grind slow, but they grind fine because there's, so many possibilities for flies to get stuck in the ointment that the whole thing grinds to a standstill and then it has to start all over again. So he had all this stuff going on. This is still only fucking clip two. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's gonna it's gonna we'll have be to power long. through it at some point. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm enjoying gonna, this stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be a long one. So he has all this stuff going on, all this other stress going on. His place gets burglarized, his family, blah, 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 blah. He's trying to get this one last piece of uh bureaucracy to work in his favor and of course it doesn't because it's under the control of other people and that's the basically the straw that broke his back that made him snap and then he had this big conflict in this 49th transportation battalion office that sparked the notion to him to go grab this gun and shoot everyone up long-winded way of saying very long-winded way of saying that fort hood seems to be a weird fucked up place where people tend to snap. There's all kinds of pressure on these soldiers. Things are happening there. There was two mass shootings in a period of five years. Yeah, it seems like Boulder. you want to stay at Fort Bliss where nothing it bad happens. Like, it's Fort Bliss. It's like, would you rather be in Bliss or in the hood? I <laughs> Obviously. More that magical language. Uh, also, also the, the one of his uh, friends or somebody talked to him the day before it happened and said that he like seemed fine and he was happy and shit. So like, yeah, his neighbor. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, yeah, if, if if he's he, I mean, if this is all correct, then he definitely snapped like hardcore. Right. Yeah. Well, snapped. he's lucky his mom died before he shot everybody up, or she would have whipped his ass. You better have insurance. Ass whooping insurance. Those Puerto Rican moms are fucking tough, dude. Those people are fucking tough. That was Puerto Rico. Junior, but he might as well be a Puerto Rican mom. Uh, right. Okay, so so that's two mass shootings in a period of five years, all having to do with a lot of behavioral, psychological issues happening with these soldiers that are returning and being redeployed. Uh, lots of unchecked and potentially undiagnosed trauma, PTSD, psychological issues that are happening there plus the, the pressure of your own personal lives uh, being uprooted and things that happen man the shit the shit that happens in your life results in two mass shootings in five years okay powering through 
to um, where we are kind of closer to today. So this is an article from the Daily Beast 2015 that was updated in 2017. I'm not going to read the whole article, thank God, but I want you to go ahead and play clip three. A clip number three. I wasn't ready, sorry. Uh, here we go. A Fort Hood soldier accused of running a prostitution ring appeared in military court today. Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen is accused of luring female soldiers with money problems into having sex with other soldiers for cash. Today, a witness talked about the sexual encounters with men on base and around Colleen. McQueen coordinated a sexual harassment program at Fort Hood at the time. The hearing will determine whether or not McQueen faces a court-martial. I Hell like yeah. women with big, giant tits and big asses. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So that's 2015, updated 2017. The, 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 uh, the most current aspects of this story is 2017. A couple things I want you guys to hold on to in this clip. Fort Hood, sexual harassment program, and prostitution ring. Okay. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen was the battalion's point man. He was the he was the head nigga in charge, point man of the preventing sexual assaults as part of the U.S. Army's Sexual Harassment Assault Response Prevention Unit. Otherwise, you got a is... problem with that, nigga? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that clip, dude. I do. All right, so he was part of the the Sexual Harassment Assault Response Prevention otherwise known as sharp at Fort Hood. This Ooh, is an important sharp. yeah, important thing to keep in the back of your mind. Sharp sexual harassment assault response prevention. And according to a lengthy investigation by the US Army's Criminal Investigation Command, the CID, their report concluded that among a barrage of sexploits pinned <laughs> to Gregory McQueen, he was pimping subordinate soldiers and offering them up a la carte flesh, offering them up as a la carte flesh for higher ranking officers who attended his lavish sex parties. Sound familiar? Um, Jeffrey Epstein kind of stuff. So he but was. But they were of age carte. in this case, right? They were of age, of course. They were, but they were subordinate soldiers, and a lot of them were fucked up, broke. A lot of them had the same kind of stressors and issues that the two previous shooters had going on in their lives. Uh, but yeah, he was pimping these subordinate soldiers. And I argue definitely not just women and offering them up um, as objects for higher ranking officers, higher ranking officers. That also means probably majors, generals, colonels, you know, superiors where he's having these sex parties a judge and Gregory McQueen's court-martial demoted, demoted him and sentenced him to two years in prison, along with a dishonorable discharge. And with McQueen's plea deal, he managed to avoid six other charges, including sexual assault, that could have landed him in military prison for 40 years. So he pleaded out. He pled out of a 40-year sentence for sexual assault, which is very likely what happened, considering what we're going to start talking about in this presentation he was found guilty though on one charge of battery so he pled out he had some hardcore lawyers he was also uh you know his benefactors of this uh of this experience the people that he was that were the people that very likely had his back were the higher ranking officers the people that were you know 
receiving his goods at these sex parties as he was pimping out subordinate soldiers. So this guy, uh, just again, a real quick re rehash, um, the point man, you know, the HNIC in preventing the sexual assaults, he was the guy of sexual assault prevention. And at the same time, he was <laughs> pimping out subordinate soldiers and beating the fuck out of them and sexually assaulting them. And That's like that lady that was a Clinton operative in Haiti that was found guilty of uh, child sex trafficking, and now she heads up the Amber Alert program in the United States. Oh, yeah, Selsby. Yeah. Selsby was caught on the road with 40 kids. Yep. 40 kids. Fucking crazy. And her, and her partner for years was actually he was he's in prison in in Haiti as far as I know her partner this guy I uh, forget what his name is but yeah that's Selsby and then she went and changed her name and now so she's crazy, part of the dude. Amber Alerts that's fucking awesome dude how, yeah how is that all proven if she's actually currently still part of the Amber Alert system that's insane because it's it's that's it's like in mainstream news in, uh, yeah but like she's not charged with those crimes in the United States she was only charged in Haiti that's right. And Haiti can't and do shit about shit. And, and, but that's also part of those weird uh, Clinton um, Clinton meetings that he had with that former uh, – remember when he was on the plane? Eh, what the fuck is her name? That, that oh, lady. on the tarmac or whatever? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, just, oh, it was but, waxing yeah. over I can't remember and, who and, that washing was. Out, and washing out all those charges and just, just putting it all to bed. Um, that was yeah, like I didn't mean to get us derailed on the Clintons because I could talk about that all night. No, it's just the same. It's the same kind of inversion. Same, same story. You have one, yeah, one thing over here, and then the opposite is true at the same time. Is that you know, the head guy of the sexual assault prevention program is at the at, at simultaneously sexually assaulting and promoting. I will bend that fucking rat over. <laughs> so it's, it's so okay. ironic. Okay, and so we're we're gonna <laughs> talk about we're gonna we're gonna I, keep when going. we talk about sexual assault. I have to play the clip of Darren O'Neill talking about raping Nick the Rat. I will <laughs> bend that fucking rat over. <laughs> right. All right, all right. Uh, so yeah, just whew. just to just to refresh you, this McQueen guy, uh, prostitution ring guy, pled out. He was able to plead out through his lawyers and his connections and his money out of a prison sentence of forty years. Let's just keep that in the back of your mind as well, as well as the sharp thing, sexual assault. You know, blah 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 blah. Two thousand. Uh, 2020, August 8th. So this was in the heat of this summer. A child prostitution ring busted August 8th, 2020. Um, the Colleen Police Department, again, this is Fort Hood, Colleen Police Department Special Victims Unit in partnership with Texas Department of Public Safety Human Trafficking Program concluded a two-day child prostitution string, sting. The overall goal of this joint effort was to locate and arrest subjects who were willing to make overt efforts to pay minors to engage in sexual acts. During this operation, nine suspects, three of whom are military, contacted officers through various social media platforms and made agreements for sex acts with girls they believed were 15 or 16 years of age. These agreements were for fees that included money, drugs, or alcohol, Seven felony prostitution charges, two misdemeanor prostitution charges, and two guns were confiscated. So what I found looking into this story, I found a whole bunch of other stories that are just like this. Just like this. Prostitution rings busted in Colleen, 
with the clean police department, Fort Hood area, like every other month. And it's been happening for years. How do you and spell so that? Clean, clean? Yeah, K-I-L-L-E-E-N. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, it's a tiny town. But Mr. for some Killeen. reason, there, there's a huge prostitution thing happening in the Colleen area enough that they would have cause and reason and resources to execute numerous consecutive prostitution sting operations constantly. Where, here's another article, six Fort Hood soldiers, 14 total, arrested in prostitution sting, March 18th, 2020, just a few months before the child prostitution ring. 12 traffickers were arrested for agreeing to engage in a sexual act for a fee. Six of the 12 traffickers are active duty enlisted soldiers at Fort Hood, according to Temple Dude, Police. What the fuck is going on? That's crazy. Temple, yeah, Temple Police. That's Temple, Texas. So, so Fort Hood, man, 12. stay away from that place is what I'm getting out of this. For okay. sure. Yeah. So there's that. So, I mean, this is just a couple of them. Um, but what I want to talk about with these really, really quick, because we still got a ways to go, is that these prostitution stings and these child prostitution sting rings, sting ring, ring ding, ring ding, zing-a-dings, um, these things are happening every other month, and they're taking in tens and dozens of people at a time. And almost half of them, if not most of them, are active military. And that's nothing to I'm not talking shit against active military. What I'm talking shit against and what I'm trying to bring attention to is that these are tiny podunk town police department jurisdictions that know that people are sexually motivated. And when properly enticed, I mean, we all know in this conversation that you're going up against the machine of, of uh, law enforcement where they have all the rights afforded to them to do whatever they have to do to make the bust, whether that's bribery or coercion or entrapment or whatever. But they're setting up Fuck these- Fuck the cops. Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. So they're setting up these stings knowing that they're always going to net a whole bunch of fish in these nets and that each one of these fish are going to be arrested and then they'll be looking at tens of thousands of dollars in cash bonds, cash bails to get out of jail. So in my estimation, these tiny podunk police departments are setting up these stings for purely profit motivations, that they know that this is wow. how they're going to get their paycheck. This is how they're going to get their budgets reinforced every single year if they can set up these people and then have them do cash bail to get out. That's fucking hundreds okay, of that, thousands. I don't mean to, I don't want to derail it too far, but as a quick aside, that's exactly what it sounds like is going on because I know from multiple people that live around here in Tennessee where they would let like weed growers, they would come in and just steal all their money or basically raid them, not arrest them, but just take all the cash and all the, the plants and yeah. do that like once a year. And they had this understanding where it's like, we're just going to raid you and fine you, but we're not going to like, we're just going to let you keep doing it but so we can not just keep taking your you. money every year from it from you. <laughs> yeah. It's just a tax. Gangster shit. Tax collectors. Yeah. yeah. It's, exactly it's basically it like, the, yeah, it's like when the mafia says, like, you're going to pay us to protect you or you're, we're going to bust your shit up even worse. Right. And you also got to consider, too, that all these people that are being arrested, I'm not saying that they're not fucking innocent. Or I'm not saying that they're innocent. I'm not saying that they're shitheads either. All I know is that these people, the, the law enforcement, the good guys, quote unquote, 
have all the liberty and rights and ability resources afforded to them to do whatever they have to do to make the collar, you know, and that the people that are being arrested have that now on their record. You know, they that that's going to follow them around. And, I, and, you know, if they're fucking child pedos, they should be fucking detongued in the street and castrated and fucking whatever. But if they're not, you know, if they're just fucking soldiers who we all know are fucking sexual beasts like anyone else and if they're being entrapped into a situation because they're stupid because they are soldiers uh that they're gonna fucking fall for the bait they're gonna take the hook and get fucked with i mean that's awful dude but i'm just looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash bails as a way to fucking bloat these little podunk police department's budgets and keep themselves relevant you know okay and so moving on Getting out of uh, Fort Hood just for a minute, I found this really great story. Um, this happened, let me see, this is about five years ago, maybe a little bit less than that. Former Army Reserve Military Police. Former Reserve Military Police Officer gets 40 years in prison for running sex trafficking enterprise. Uh, a, formy, a former Army Reserve Military Policeman convicted of running a sex trafficking enterprise in North Carolina for five years was sentenced to four decades in prison. His name is Xavier, not Xavier, but Xavier M. Boston. Coerced victims struggling with opioid addictions to become prostitutes for his profit between 2012 and 2017, except for a brief period of time when he was deployed to Afghanistan. So he is a pimp. He's a pimp MP uh, in North Carolina, and he's making a ton of money off of uh, junky, junky chicks. Um, probably subordinate officers or other people. And then he goes to Afghanistan and does his thing. And I guess we want to thank him for his service. Um, a federal jury in Charlotte convicted Xavier Boston in 2018 of six counts of sex trafficking and one count of using a website to promote his prostitution enterprise. He We're going to be getting you knee deep in some gash. <laughs> he recruited victims by promising to provide them with a house to live in and drugs to feed their addictions and then controlled their addictions by giving them heroin and hydrocodone highly addictive drugs with severe wait a minute if you're symptoms. if you're if you're taking a heroin like isn't the hydro like like what's the point of the hydro at that point well it's for people that don't want to do dope you oh know, so it's, it's not people... like he's giving them hydro after they're already on heroin no he's this is okay you know, he's i was like <laughs> he's got, yeah. i was like let's see he's, it's like uh yeah, it just it seems like uh, that cherry on top wouldn't be that good. It's like you're already on heroin. That hydro ain't gonna do shit for you. But okay, sorry. Yeah, it's like it's like having a fentanyl cocktail when you've already done a you know, <laughs> big shot of dope. No, he probably you know he's got hookers that are probably already junkies. They like their heroin, and then they got hookers that don't want to do heroin, but they like what heroin feels like. So they do hydrocodone, they do oxycontin, things like that. I mean, oxycontin is just uh, heroin in pill form. And a lot easier to manage, doesn't require needles or smoking on a piece of foil or anything like that, you know. But it's Oxycontin, which is just a couple steps away. I mean, hydrocodone isn't, I want. I don't want to say hydrocodone is Oxycontin, but they're both, they're both opioids and they both are codeine pills and highly addictive. Anyway, so he would basically, you know, he would... This guy, Boston, would control the habits and the lifestyles of his hookers by withholding the drugs uh, to coerce them into prostitution and then manipulate their behavior. 
and he would control his victim's behavior through violence. He punched, slapped, choked, things like that. He pistol-whipped a couple bitches in the face, breaking their faces open. Um, and he did all this on Backpage. He, you know, he, he advertised this service on Backpage. I only wanted to include this story because I wanted to show you that um, Army and military officers, whether they're just soldiers or officers, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at with this whole presentation in a very rough roundabout way is to show that there is a whole nother economy of sex trafficking that takes place in and through the military. And it's not isolated to places like Fort Hood, like it's nationwide and all over the world. I mean, I was digging through this to get these pieces together for this for this little um, presentation, and I had to keep it within the United States because there is just so much that happens, especially over in the Middle East. I mean, it's fucking crazy. And that's just our military. If you want to get really hairy about it, look into the United Nations and the White Hats. Those oh, guys. Dude, yeah. That's the UN that's, is basically an organized sex trafficking ring. Yeah. That's mainly what they do besides starve third world countries. That's it's like a eugenics operation do. slash child sex trafficking ring, allegedly. I don't want to get sued by the UN, but interesting. <laughs> I've never heard about any of that. Is that like yeah? It's I'm a rabbit hole. bad news. It's a rabbit. The blue hole, helmets. Man. Of course, if you listen to Mike Adams, he's like, "Yeah, the blue helmets are going to invade." Governor <laughs> Governor Gavin Newsom is just going to let China and the blue helmets come in through the California and take over the U.S. Right. I mean, well, every Stop place Trump that from getting the QAnon indictments unsealed yeah. or whatever the fuck's going on every place that u.n soldiers end up going trafficking human trafficking goes through the roof families yep. get broken up children get kidnapped and there's tons tens of thousands of new pregnancies the year after they leave there's tens of thousands wow. of fatherless children that are born within the year after the u.n has been redeployed somewhere else they literally wow. rape and pillage everywhere they go it's crazy, UN dude. It's a, a nasty a rabbit force. hole. Yeah. They're the peacekeepers. Uh, yeah, yeah. The EU's I, I talking about getting the UN too, more. The yeah, un. It's so nasty. It's like idiocracy. The, the un and the un the unnazified un. the world. <laughs> yeah, the un. The un. Okay. <laughs> the, so, okay. So I'm now that we've kind of got like, like $500 million. So now that we've got I like a kind of a backgrounder, we got a backgrounder of child. Of, of, of human trafficking, prostitution. There's some heavy shit that goes on with psychological people, with psychological issues at Fort Hood. Um, now we're going to move into the meat of... Um, we're going to get to the meat here. So things ha happen all the time. Things happen. People die. People have accidents. Things get fucked up. People fall out of trees. People fall off of fucking ladders. I mean, the guy I work with was hanging up Christmas lights on Thanksgiving all drunk and he broke his foot and now we're down another route in my station. So it's just awesome. Shit happens. Um, shit happened to 19-year-old private first class Dakota Stump when he went missing during a break from a field exercise in Fort Hood in late 2016. Two days later, the Army declared him AWOL, which is absent without leave. They don't really look too hard to find out what happened to soldiers once they've been declared AWOL. They just write them up as AWOL, and that's the end of the case, unless there's real reason to go looking for them. Uh, but that also means resources, time, and that means other soldiers aren't doing what they should be doing. Instead, they're looking for this asshole who just walked away from his job. 
no respect, no respect for the guy, no respect for the reasons. It's just AWOL, rat it up, move on. No um, respect, no respect at all. No respect at all. So as it turns Somebody out, step on a um, duck. Uh, Dakota Stump hadn't run off on AWOL. He missed a turn while he was speeding in his truck on post and crashed his, his truck into the woods. About three weeks later, um, troops that were in a training exercise found his body and his battered, I guess it wasn't truck, it was a Mustang. And uh, they figured out what happened to a 19-year-old private first class Dakota Stump, 2016. One of the first um, deaths that we're looking into in this presentation. So first guy, 2016, shit happens. Now, 2020, this is when things get kind of weird. Things, people die all the time. As we just mentioned, people die all the time in military exercises and different installations all over the world. It just happens. It's not like it's a really dangerous job. You think that you're amongst your command. You're not in combat. You know, you're with your whole unit. You're training, 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 training. It seems like it's a controlled environment where everything is controlled. You know, there's nothing crazy that could happen in this container of training in an installation. Um, Eric Christopher Hogan, private and private first class Anthony Neville Peak Jr. were both killed in a car crash just north of Georgetown, which is right outside of Fort Hood, February 1st. 2020. Um, this is some of the first deaths of the year. The collision occurred when, for some unknown reason, their car traveled off the left side of the roadway and struck another vehicle. Uh, they were basically killed on impact. Two young officers. February 1st. Um, exactly one month later, Specialist Shelby Tyler Jones, 20 years old. These guys, both um, Eric and Anthony, were both 19 and 21. One month later, on March 1st, Specialist Shelby Tyler Jones, 20 years old, died after he was shot at a strip club in Killeen, Texas, several miles from the base, Fort Hood. Killeen police officers responded to the 911 call at 3 a.m. about a gunshot victim outside Mickey's Convenience Store, which is located on Fort Hood Road. Several oh, miles. I sell things you need. Oh. <laughs> Shelby Jones was pronounced dead at the scene at 345. He was shot at Club Dreams, a strip club located about a half a mile from the convenience store. It's unknown how Shelby Jones got from the club to the store, and no arrests were made in that case. That was March 1st, exactly one month after the two previous gentlemen died. March 5th, four days later. Christopher Wayne Sawyer, specialist, 29 years old, was found unresponsive at his post on residence, at his residence on post on March 5th. His death is under investigation, but foul play is not suspected. There are no details surrounding his death. Nothing known to this time. No suspects. It's stopped. There's basically no real, I mean, they say an investigation is underway, but there's nothing to investigate, essentially. He died. So that was Chris. He died. He was he was found dead at home. 29 years old, Christopher Wayne Sawyer, March 5th, four days after Shelby Tyler Jones. Um, Freddie Beningo de la Cruz Jr., March 14th, nine days later, I think, right? Yeah, nine days later. And what's the uh, average age of these guys? They got to be in their 20s, right? Most of them? 
early early to mid 20s right yeah so nine days later march 14th specialist freddie beningo Dela cruz jr who's 23 years old at this time he was a veteran already he'd already served he was one of three people that were killed in a shooting at an apartment complex in Colleen, texas the other victims were a man and a woman who were identified as army veteran shaquan markel alred who was 23 and asia klein who was 22. police said that uh, officers were initially dispatched to the area at about 1 a.m to investigate a call that gunshots were heard however they were unable to locate the source of the gunshots and about 40 minutes later Police returned to the area for a call about water leaking from one apartment into another apartment. An investigation of this water leak found the apartment unlocked and officers unable to contact the tenant. These are the words that were in the article. Found the apartment unlocked and officers unable to contact the tenant. So I guess they walked in and they called his name and no one answered. They entered the apartment and found three dead bodies. Information about the water leak was not released. No further details about this killing have been released. There were three dead people here. Uh, this was nine days after that guy was found dead in his apartment on March 5th. Um, March 23rd. Uh, that's, again, nine further days later. Michael Stephen Wardrobe, 20 years old, former Fort Hood soldier, was allegedly shot dead March 23rd in a dispute with 22-year-old specialist Jovino Hamel Roy, who was stationed at Fort Hood. It's unclear what started the altercation. So nine days transpired between the last killing. This one is a good one. Um, gosh, I don't have the date on this one. I'm sorry, but it's not very far away. Private Gregory Wedell Morales, 24, skeletal remains of Morales in a field near the killing near the base in Killeen about 10 months after he was last seen. Investigation is ongoing and authorities suspect foul play. Okay, play clip four. Tonight, the Colleen community held a visual to honor Gregory Morales. Morales is the Fort Hood soldier whose skeletal remains were found last week on King's Court. Now, he was missing for 10 months before being found. Six News reporter Nicky Latarulo was at Lions Park in Colleen, where the vigil was held. Over three dozen of Gregory Morales's loved ones gathered at Lions Club Park in Colleen this evening to celebrate okay, and wait, honor pause. his life. Um, I, I just want to I just want to warn you guys this clip is really fucking boring but it's only about a minute and a half long but it's just boring <laughs> okay. and really tells you tells you nothing I just I just wanted to get the backstory. having been missing for for 10 months yeah it's a bad anyway, it's a backstory, the clip, but it's this, necessary but boring yeah, it was organized by community members, but one woman in particular named Deanna Williams, who considered Gregory to be her younger brother, someone who she said always put a smile on her face. People wore shirts with their favorite pictures of Gregory printed on the front while memories and stories were shared. Finally, balloons were released into the sky in hopes that his soul was sent to heaven. Williams said the amount of people that showed up tonight shows that everyone wants justice for Gregory. Enough is enough. He was clearly not with us anymore. And this is a way for us to get that out there and then also let him know that we are still thinking about him and we love him. Hopefully that his soul just goes to heaven. Yawn. He's still with us. 
in spirit. But we have our really want justice. He's here. He's here. We also had the Yawn. chance to speak to Gregory's mother, Kim <laughs> Waddell, who said the outpouring of support she has received from people who know and don't know her family is breathtaking. And this has made her realize people do really care. Reporting in Colleen, Nikki Latarulo, 6 News. It was boring. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just the, I mean, I don't know why I hate that clip. It's a necessary backgrounder, but I think it's, I hate it because it's just such a stupid, uncreative, typical human response. Like the way that we celebrate death is like sending balloons into the air. So it's also just kind I of I don't even cry. Look at me. You're about to make tears come out of my face. The balloons represent his soul, and we really hope he doesn't go to hell. We we hope I he's in get it. <laughs> I get it. It's, it's uh, I fucking love that JCD clip. Uh, shout out! I think that oh clip would be good right about now. Oh uh, well, shit. Uh, now it's yeah. Here we it's, go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's a rim shot as well. Okay. Yeah. What? All right. Okay. We, All uh, right. And I, 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 uh, I'm gonna have to st stop distracting everybody because, goddamn, at this rate, we're gonna be here till five in the morning. I know. I know. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm moving. As, I'm moving as fast as I quick. Actually, we're. I'm. I'm a little bit more than half done. <laughs> yeah, okay. Cool. Well, clip okay. list wise, we get we're about one quarter done tops, but oh my god, this is looking be at a yours clips one. anyway. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm just gonna start powering through this. Okay, Power so what through. we got here, what we got here so far is from from February to to March, in a period of a whole two, month and a half, two months between February first to maybe April first. I'm not sure when Greg Morales uh, was found. I don't have the date here, unfortunately. I'm sorry, but it couldn't have been more than within this three month period. So there's been like, bam, 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 all these people that are dying, not to mention the two supposedly unrelated deaths in that three person shooting. Okay, so moving on. Uh, Real quick, and I, I don't mean to, yep. uh, just one question. How many in a row was it Fort Hood deaths that were nine days each apart? Because it was at least three you mentioned, right? Nine three, days, yeah. then another nine. Yeah. yeah. How, what was the, was it at least three, I think? It was, um, March they were exactly 5th. nine days apart from each one. It might have been yeah, two. Yeah, March, March 5th, um, Chris Wayne Sawyer. March 14th, Freddie Beningo de la Cruz. Okay, yeah. And then Stephen Wardrobe, uh, March 23rd. So yeah, nine, 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 nine. Yeah. Yeah. And with the, 20, with the 23 in there as well. Yeah. yeah. And and that leaves us uh, where we're at now with Greg Morales, followed by Private Mior Miorta. Mior Morta, 26 years old, was discovered dead. And on July 17th out there, he was believed to have drowned in Stillhouse Hollow Lake, which is about 15 miles from Fort Hood Base. The investigation is ongoing, and officials did not say whether foul play, foul play was suspected, so he was found in a lake. And this brings us to the real winner who got all the press uh, following the July, I guess this was, yeah, so he was discovered July 17th. Uh, but after, I guess, the next person that was missing was Private First Class Vanessa Guillen.
20 years old. She's the star of the show. She went missing April 22nd in a parking lot at the base after her family said she was complaining of being sexually harassed. Play clip Guillen 1. Oh, shoot. Okay, so not number five down to Vanessa? One? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, okay, I would catch you. It's been almost seven yeah. weeks since a Fort Hood soldier from Houston was last seen. 20-year-old Vanessa Gillen vanished without a trace in late April. And tonight, her loved ones are calling for a bigger investigation to find her. Channel 2 Sion Rhodes live at Chavez High School, where Gillen graduated before enlisting in the Army. Sion? And Dominique, her family more desperate than ever for answers, and they want the FBI to take over this investigation. I have to keep pushing until I find her because I have faith in God that we're going to find her and it's going to be soon. It has been 50 days since private first class Vanessa Gillen was last seen. It has been too long. We need answers and we need answers now. Today, her family, friends and community activists calling for transparency from the United States Army and leaders at Fort Hood. How is this a military base? You don't know what's exactly happening in your base. Vanessa disappeared April 22nd. What bothers me the most is how her chain of command did not react and function how they should have. The day she went missing, no one reached out to me. No one called me or my mother. I had to start looking for phone numbers, calling them, asking them. And I went there the same day myself, and I was told to come back the next day. They should be doing every single thing that they can in order to find her. I feel every that single thing. someone had to have seen something in a base where 40,000 plus soldiers uh, live there. Myra believes her sister is still alive and that someone may be holding her captive. A three hour tour. A three right. hour Oh, that's sorry. That's Gilligan's Island, not Gillen's Island. I've seen something yeah. in a base where 40,000 plus soldiers uh, live there. Myra believes her sister is still alive and that someone may be holding her captive. She hopes she hears this message. We love her a lot and just hold on. We're going to get to the bottom of everything and we're, you're going to be back home. Can we get a spoiler alert? Did she ever get back home? Uh, no spoilers. Okay. Everything and we're, you're um, going to be back home. So, yeah, 40. And I reached out to Army investigators along with Fort Hood officials. They tell me they are doing everything they can to locate Vanessa. They are offering a $15,000 reward for any information leading to her whereabouts. They say they've done multiple searches, conducted multiple interviews, and remain in contact with the family. The family, though, not satisfied. They are organizing a protest for this Friday at Fort Hood. That's at 4 o'clock. Reporting live, Sion Rhodes, KPRC. Fuck yeah, guys. All right, listen. We solved the mystery. We solved the mystery tonight that's five grand a piece 15 grand we each get five grand we're solve it right now i'm, I'm down I'm staying up all night we're gonna solve this goddamn mystery right now i'm good man i'm good so yeah 40 40 000 people live in fort hood man that's a that's four times that's a lot of people that's four times the size of the town i'm moving to that's four that's a small city oh shit you're moving to a tiny town i'm moving to a town of ten thousand. yeah Okay. Yeah, fuck uh, yeah, dude. That's better uh, than what I'm at. Vanessa, dude, I know, man. I'm fucking stoked. It's gonna completely upset my apple cart, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. That's I'm gonna be awesome. The fuck out about the move though, because I go. We gotta do it like bang bang quick the whole week. Of I was Christmas. just happy when I lived at a house that didn't get self service, but or internet. <laughs> all right, now I got the, all uh, that. But... Vanessa right, Gian two. Vanessa Gian two. Dose.
The Army now suspects foul play in the disappearance of a 20-year-old Fort Hood soldier. Private First Class Vanessa Guillen was last seen in the parking lot of her barracks on April 22nd. The Army met with Guillen's family and announced that update today. Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia has helped bring attention to Garcia. the case. We went in with a lot of questions. We got some answers, but we still have a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, I must say that uh, both the Colonel and the General were I think it probably as forthcoming as it could be because it still is a criminal investigation. They have now uh, used the words foul play. They are convinced now that there is foul play involved and they're following all the leads that they can. Guillen's car keys, a room key identification card, wallet all found in the armory room where she was working the day she disappeared. There's a $55,000 reward for information about what happened to Guillen. Reopen that 9-11 investigation. What really happened there? Foul play. That's like bird play, which is right. uh, word play. <laughs> oh, my God. On fire. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Vanessa Guillen, Vanessa Guillen was actually she was found dead July 1st. She went missing April 22nd. Uh, she was found dead July 1st in the shallow grave near Leon River in Bell County, which is 20 miles east of Fort Hood. Play Vanessa Guillen three. An attorney for the family of specialist Vanessa Guillen says the Army has positive, positively identified her remains. And Natalie Quam says investigators met with the family today. She says Guillen was going to file a harassment complaint against specialist Aaron David Robinson. And according to Quam, investigators believe Robinson beat her to death in the armory room of Fort Hood. Robinson killed himself after police confronted him. Luckily, I know literally everything there is to know about getting pussy. <laughs> That's what he thought. But, but, All right. Yeah. So not the best way to go about getting pussy. Just a PSA to anybody out there listening. Do not do what that know. guy did. Especially if you're like 20 year old motherfucker in, in charge of shit. So anyway, so she was believed um, and it, all the evidence points to the really like high likelihood that she was bludgeoned to death, bludgeoned to death by Aaron David Robinson um, in the very next door building, um, and dismembered at that time in that building by Aaron David Robinson, who later killed himself. And he was assisted in disposing her of her, of her body uh, by his girlfriend Cicely Aguilar, who confessed to all these things. She helped him dismember her body and bury her remains about 20 miles east of Fort Hood. Oh, Christ. Play clip, yeah, uh, Vanessa Guillen 4. Wait, so hang on one second before Friends you play the clip. So they, yeah, sorry. so they dismembered her in the building next to the building that she worked at? So this is still some yeah. form of a public facility, and they're dismembering her blood and everything, yeah, and, and somehow they... It's not public because it's on the base. It's a. It's just in a production building. She was working. Um, uh, Vanessa Kian was an armory repair specialist, so she was basically she fixed guns. She was a gun. She was an armorist. You know, she fixed guns and and uh, mm. manufactured things like that. So she was That's in one insane. building, and the, the the building next door was the building that Aaron David Robinson worked at. 
And so they were basically working neighbors and she had complained to her family and she had issued complaints to her superiors about being sexually harassed for a period of time by Aaron David Robinson. And I want to talk about Vanessa Guillen real quick. Um, she's 20 year old Latinx woman. Beautiful. What the fuck is Latinx? Isn't that just Latino? Exactly. Yes, it is. Well, I don't understand. It, it, Latinx implies either gender. Uh, Latino is is male. Latina would be. But you female. can't. No. Oh, you, how dare mind. you? I'm sorry. How I asked. dare you, Beamer? Sorry, you cannot gender this woman. I mean, I'm this person. Saying. God damn. All right. Sorry. You I shouldn't have asked that it. question. I should have known the answer. Yeah. You can't yeah, I'm just, gender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why they do it. It's fucking just, asshole. Just to explain. You know. <laughs> I want you to you're look at yourself in the ass. mirror right now, because this is the last time you're going to be looking this gay in your whole life. <laughs> All right. You're a son uh, of a bitch, Beamer. Sorry, go, go ahead. Lead us into, uh, yeah, lead I us do what I can. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, so we're going to play a clip for a minute, but I, but I want to say that it's, it's not so surprising to me that Vanessa Guillen got the the – the, uh, the lion's share of the attention of what was happening to the 28 other people at least in, in this area because she was a beautiful young Latinx woman. She was a woman of color. She was an endangered species and they actually know exactly what happened to her and they know that it was a man and specifically, this is going to go to a MoFax thing, it was a black man who was the bottom of bottoms. Mm, fits the narrative. Mm. Good call. Yeah. And his so, girlfriend fucking helped him out. And his girlfriend was a fucking toothless, trailer trash, morbidly obese, horrid fucking truck of a woman. White. I bet she was white, really? too. Fucking white as white. Ah! Like transparent white. <laughs> Just nasty. Sus I fucking knew it. Cecily Aguilar was a fucking just a beat down trailer trash fucking broken down Ford truck washing machine of a woman white as Jesus. red man yeah so Friends yeah Guillen got the lion's share of the of the treatment of the attention because she's a beautiful young Latinx woman who was murdered by the bottom of bottom Aaron David Robinson who happens to be a black man and this was Friends all this summer members of the media Thank you for making the trip and joining us here during this tough time. I appreciate your ongoing. Oh yeah, assistance. hold on, hold on, pause, pause. Our sorry. heartfelt condolences. Pause yeah, the sorry. clip. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, so clip four. Stop. I'm, I should, <laughs> yeah, like John Dvorak. Okay, stop. <laughs> stop. Um, a, a little setup for this clip. This is a uh, God. What's what's his name? Um, anyway, this is a very high-ranking army officer who we're, we're going to hear again later from in this presentation who does the announcement of uh, the remains of Vanessa being found and the steps they're going to do and how much of a hero she was and how much they all stick together and we're all in this together. So this person speaking is like a high-ranking top brass officer. Um, go ahead. Proceed clip four. Sorry. Go out to the family and friends of Specialist Vanessa Guillen. Our thoughts and prayers are with them during this difficult time. I lack the words to make sense of this tragic loss. Vanessa was part of our Army family, and her loss accordingly is felt throughout the Army and throughout the world. Sadly, I stand here to report that the search for Specialist Vanessa Guillen 
has resulted in the very outcome that I had prayed it would not have from the very beginning. The Armed Forces Forensic Examiner has determined through DNA analysis that the remains found near the Leon River are in fact those of Vanessa. The Guillen family was notified of this yesterday, which in turn allows me to come forward and share this information with you today publicly. We're now confronted with the most, the aftermath of one of the most heinous acts I can imagine. Oh. Sorry. Nailed it. <laughs> Trying to lighten the mood Perfect. a little bit. This is kind of dark. <laughs> Perfect. Good. That was great. Uh, okay, so that guy's talking about how much of a hero she is and how wonderful the army is and the tragedy, 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 tragedy. I mean, it really, I mean, just to just to be clear, I, I'm cracking, like, distasteful jokes because a lot of this stuff really is tragic. I'm not trying to be too much of an asshole, but. It's super fucking tragic, and it's yeah. not unusual either. It's just, it's unusual that there's so many in such a short amount of time, and a lot of them are unexplained. and mm -hmm. Half of them have foul play. Half of them have no foul play. But, um, you know, as soon as a soldier goes missing, if there's no immediate obvious reason, it's AWOL and it's not investigated until reason is presented. So look, if, if 28 people gone dead or missing in this year at Fort Hood, then uh, I, I'd say that any sort of report should be fucking fully investigated in that specific area, you know? Yeah, you're right. And you're not only right thinking that, but um, the Secretary of the Army is thinking the same thing. And so there was a big, huge move, as we're going to get to here in a few, just a few minutes. So um, the last death, what we're talking about is Vanessa Keehan. She was 20 years old, of course. Uh, her murderer was Aaron David Robinson, who shot himself. So he's another. Their death. He is identified as the suspect in the disappearance and murder of Guillen. Um, he attacked her with a hammer and dismembered her body with a machete. Robinson shot and killed himself in Colleen as officers moved in to arrest him on June 30th. Um, clip 5, Guillen. He is Army Specialist Aaron Robinson, who was dating a former soldier's wife. Her name is Cicely Aguilar, and she's now in custody. In a five-page affidavit, Aguilar confesses to helping him get rid of Guillen's body. Right. So, that's that. That kind of, that sort of wraps up the Guillen. Mystery solved. <laughs> Mystery solved. That sort of wraps up Guillen, but we're going to revisit her here in a few minutes. <laughs> Like, um, Scoob, where'd they put the body, man? <laughs> Zoinks! <laughs> She's in concrete! Which is actually what they what they did. They actually did, like, pour concrete mix over her body. Dude, they fucked Holy up her... Shit. Yeah, they destroyed that poor woman's body beyond recognition. They couldn't even... They couldn't even compare her dental records, dude. Her teeth I guess were you could pulverized. call that concrete evidence. Ooh! You're on oh my fire, God. dude. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, they, they, had, they had to use hair that was recovered from the concrete that she was encased in to wow, identify that's her. Fucked because up. I mean, I was, was going to say the dude brought a fucking machete with him to work. So I'm assuming that wasn't just laying around, you know? Yeah. I mean, but they're clearly amateurs. They should have known to use lye and dissolve her body. But anyway. Or as Joe Rogan would say, lime. 
don't know if well, y'all noticed Dvorak that, but, says but, that you couldn't dissolve a body with lie. I made that whole no agenda mix about. Oh yeah, that's right. Because they were thinking about those weird leaky pipes in New York, right? That yeah, weird, yeah. Because it was it was that? Adam Schiff. Apparently, was like Q was saying Adam Schiff was dissolving like baby like children's bodies. And I made this old no agenda mix, and it was I took Walter White describing how to use hydrochloric acid to dissolve a body, and made it seem like Dvorak and Walter White were arguing about how to dissolve a body because Dvorak's going like, "Well, you wouldn't use lye, and like hydrochloric acid would never work." <laughs> and Walter White's like, "Yeah, it would." It was anyway. Yeah, maybe I'll put it at the that, end of this that, episode. That's a good sidebar. I love. Yeah, we should. Okay, so the the the. Um, the, the, the. Uh, thank you all right yeah vanessa guillen uh followed by robinson who was uh, her murderer we're going to go back a little bit to may 18th where private first class brandon rosencrantz 27 years old was found dead from gunshot wounds on may 18th on the side of the road in harker heights texas which is three miles away from where his jeep was discovered engulfed in flames he was allegedly he was, he was allegedly gunned down by 28-year-old Brandon Michael Olivares, although no motive has been released or under, you know, understood why. But yeah, a burning inflamed Jeep and shot to death, a 27-year-old private first class. That was May 18th. August 2nd, uh, specialist Francisco Gilberto Hernandez Vargas, 24 years old, was discovered dead on August 2nd after he disappeared underwater, just disappeared underwater, while being pulled along on an inner tube behind a motorboat at the same lake where Mijorimorta's body was recovered. Wait a minute. He fell off an inner yeah. tube and just never resurfaced? That's what this, that's, yep, that's exactly what uh, happened. That sounds a little no off. No foul play. I'm, I'm what? Yeah. <laughs> Who is with him? I've been intertubing a lot, and I don't. I've, I know like <laughs> toddlers that could handle falling off an intertube. It's like him yeah, and one other was... dude went out tubing, and the the dude's like, "Yeah, he just he just disappeared. He's gone. I don't, I don't know what to tell you." And they're like, "Well, no foul play here. There's there's no yeah. reason to look any further." <laughs> it's like when Robert <laughs> right. Kennedy Jr.'s uh, like niece and kid went out. Uh, Fucking like they took their canoe out on the water or their kayak out on the water to catch a beach ball that they said got knocked out into the water and then just both drowned. It's like, okay, that's a believable story. Oh, Wait, that, R yeah. RFK Jr.'s kids died? Niece, I think it was. Yeah. Niece. Okay, wow. Well, still. We talked about that on the uh, Bill Gates episode we did, I think. Oh, okay, well, I I've had amnesia since then. So. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. That was my back excuse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay. I'm just okay, trying moving rabbit on. trailing too much. So, yeah, that was August 2nd. That's Francis, uh, Francisco Gilberto Hernandez Vargas. That's a lot of, that's a whole pile of consonants. He was 25 years old, specialist, uh, 24 years old. August 2nd disappeared underwater. Just disappeared underwater. It happens all the time. And But in the same lake, same location as Mijor Morta's body Loch Ness was Monster. recovered. Right. Mm -hmm. That was on August 2nd. Okay, August um, 12th, exactly 10 days later, this is a sad one, specialist Cole Jacob Ayton, 22 years old, died of his injuries on August 12th after he was hit by a car as he was providing assistance at the scene of an accident in Colleen, Texas. Super sad, actually. And I think it's, it's just sad because he was helping somebody and he got yeah. hit by a car. Um, but he actually has a few videos on YouTube where he's just playing guitar 
playing an acoustic guitar. He's like a classic, you know, country boy, fucking white bread, bologna sandwich, jarhead, you know, doesn't want to go to war. He doesn't want to kill anybody. And he's playing these sad country songs on his acoustic. And he just, he's 22 years old. He's young, dumb, and full of cum. And he just helps someone. <laughs> Sorry. And fucking dies. <laughs> uh, Have you I ever heard that? That's the new one for me. Young, dumb, and full of You never of cum. heard that? No, young, I don't think so. Full of cum? No, that's oh good. Oh, my though. God. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, that's Cole Jacob Ayton, 22, hit by a car. Exactly 10 days after uh, Hernandez Vargas disappeared underwater. Uh, August 13th, one month and one day, Sergeant Bradley Moore, 36. He's kind of the old timer for this crew. Uh, he died in a training accident while completing a land navigation course August 13th at the base of Fort Hood. Sergeant Bradley Moore was completing a land navigation course Thursday when he died at the base. That's all there is. So he died at the, the base. Doesn't even say how. Doesn't say he was just. He was doing a training exercise. Dropped dead. He, he got shot. Training exercise. Got, yeah. And I even looked up the uh, corresponding article that was in Stars and Stripes, and all it really says was that he was doing a land navigation course, which is really just like a practice, you know, a training like recon. They're just doing reconnaissance. They're moving around. You know, they're climbing up rocks and they're falling down hills and they're falling out of trees and things like that. They're doing the land navigation and he just died. So he's one of the bodies, but he's probably the oldest one in this whole core of people in this year. Sergeant Bradley Moore, 36. That was August 13th, one month and one day after Jacob Ayton, who was 22. Okay, I got a few more clips for Sergeant Elder Fernandez. Now, this is a really interesting case uh his body was found hanging from a tree august 25th in temple texas which is about 25th of this year 25th of uh yeah august 25th of 2020 mm. um for sergeant elder fernandez who's 23 years old he's a chemical biological radiological and nuclear specialist and he enlisted in the army wow. in 2016 so he's been in the service for four years Chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear specialist um, found dead hanging from a tree August 25th. Can uh, we, hey, can I go, uh, can I go out on a limb and, uh, <laughs> sorry, can I go out on a limb and guess oh that God. maybe these people <laughs> knew too much? Well, it's starting to seem to like if you're a specialist clips. in biological and, and chemical warfare or whatever he was. I don't know. It's just starting to seem like this is at first I was like, maybe these guys were part of like experiments and they, but more, it's more and more. I'm thinking like, maybe they just knew too much about shit. Right. Well, also remember, I was um, proud of my go out on a limb joke. That's mainly why I brought yeah. them. Well, you, you, yeah. you stepped all over your own joke. So it was hard. <laughs> I didn't catch it cause you stepped all over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, Ugh. I want you to just remember. This is <laughs> go back just for a minute to um, the second mass shooter, Ivan Lopez, talking about being uh, humiliated and picked on um, by fellow unit soldiers. So Fernandez reported uh, being sexually abused prior to his disappearance. He disappeared, and he was gone for a long time. And then he was found August twenty fifth. He was gone for months. Um, he was found hanging from a tree uh, before he disappeared. He'd, fi he'd 
officially reported sexual abuse prior to his disappearance. Um, go ahead and play Fernandez clips one and two, please. Before we leave tonight, some breaking news for you. The Colleen Police Department is searching for a missing soldier. Elder Fernandez was last seen on August the 17th by a staff sergeant when he dropped him off at his residence located in the 2700 block of Woodlands Drive in Colleen. Fernandez is 5'4 and weighs 133 pounds. He was last seen wearing black Army PT shorts, a T-shirt, and red shoes. If you have any information, please contact the police. We hope to have much more on this case tonight at 10 o'clock. Now to a developing story, the search for yet another missing Fort Hood soldier. This morning, Tim Miller, the head of Texas EquiSearch, will be flying to Fort Hood to meet with Sergeant Elder Fernandez's parents. The 23-year-old was last seen in Colleen back on August 17th when his staff sergeant dropped him off at his residence. Fernandez was wearing a black Army PT shirt and red athletic shoes. He also has a full sleeve tattoo on his left arm. Army officials say they are actively looking for him. Right. So he wasn't gone long. Like I just said, I contradicted myself. Um, he was missing for a little over a week. But there's really something significant about how ac not accurate, but how the, the, note, the note of his red shoes and his black PT shorts was a big thing. Um, but what they don't say really in any of these reports, and I found a whole bunch of YouTube reports, clips about this guy, mostly just from local and national news. No one really talks about it in any video reports, but in lots of articles, specifically from the New York Post, where they really did some investigation into his um, sexual abuse claims. So he reported being sexually abused before he disappeared. He was feeling, quote, humiliated and discouraged and targeted after he reported his sexual abuse his family attorney said he was last seen on august 17th as they said when a superior officer a staff sergeant dropped him off at his home um, investigations underway police say foul play is not suspected um, before his disappearance he had at least one report of sexual abuse and a hospitalization. So if you want to go to clip three. Yeah, when I spoke to the family today, they said they couldn't help but worry that some critical facts here are still missing and some assumptions are being made. The family says Fort Hood told them Fernandez had been at some point on suicide watch, but they can't find out exactly when that point was due to HIPAA regulations. All they know is that the sergeant was at Darnell Army Medical Center from August 11th through the 17th, and he couldn't tell them too much on the hospital phone while he was there. Fort Hood also told his family Fernandez was released from the hospital on the 17th and driven to a Colleen home by someone in his unit. But is that true? The family said Fernandez had not actually lived in that location, the Army specified, for weeks, and his car was found on post, and his former roommates at that location had told the family they never saw him. And for his mother, perhaps the worst of all, the night before Fernandez had disappeared, he promised her he would call. Sunday evening, he told me, Mom, as soon as I get out of the hospital, I get my cell phone, I will call you. I'll make a video call so you can see me. This is his last word to me. I promise you, I'm going to call you and the Monday never happened. So when Fort Hood put out a release. Why was she laughing about that? That wasn't funny. She was 
<laughs> You're a cold son of a bitch, Chris. She's crying, man. I know. I'm just an ass. <laughs> I promise you, I'm gonna call you when the Monday never happens. So when Fort Hood put out a release that states the Post currently believes Fernandez left on his own accord, the family cannot help but have doubts. Fernandez had already been working with a unit sexual assault response coordinator and had been transferred, Fort Hood said, to ensure he would have proper care and ensure there would be no reprisals. Andrew Moore, 6 News. Ridiculous. Okay. Foul play for sure on that one. He was okay. say, when did he go missing after he got released from the hospital? Is it August, August 25th? August 17th. August 17th was when he went missing. That was the same day he was released from the hospital. And if you want oh, to, if you, if you can, Chris, can you back up that clip towards the, to the last maybe 12 seconds of that clip? I don't know if you can do that. So when Fort Hood put out a release that states the Post currently believes Fernandez left on his own accord, the family cannot help but have doubts. Fernandez had already been working with a unit sexual assault response coordinator and had been transferred, Fort Hood said, to ensure he would have proper care. Wait, I need to hang okay. on a second. Hang on a second. Sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, what, Did you hear that? What? What's? Yeah, exactly. A unique sexual, or, or sexual assault? Fernandez had already been working unit. with a unit sexual assault. Uh, no, he said eunuch. Why would you be sexual assaulting somebody if you're a eunuch? But have doubt. Come Fernandez on, had man. already been working with a unit sexual. Okay, you're right. I'm just so for, for how okay. for how long was he? Okay. So was well, so is he transferred to this hospital because of the sexual assault, like trauma or something like that? Or yes, and, and that yes. seems kind of. That's, that's my argument, Beamer, for sure. Now hold on, I want you guys to remember way back in the beginning of this long-winded report. Um, sharp. Uh, yeah, sharp. And Sergeant First Class Greg McQueen, who was the point man in the sexual assault and harassment response prevention unit of Sharp, so he had been working with the same, not this same guy, because Greg McQueen um was court-martialed. But we know that. This isn't just like a one-man operation. This is a system. No way, yeah. This is a systemic thing that's going on. So this poor guy, this poor fucking guy, um, Fernandez had no. He was probably well because it's it's a bureaucracy. That's what he has to do. He's going to report sexual assault or sexual harassment. Okay, talk to this guy, and this guy's going to say, okay, well, I'm going to refer you to this guy. He he's your he's your you know, he's your your uh, your counselor, your case officer. And what we know from the past was that the a proven case officer of this sexual assault and victim harassment type of program was running a fucking prostitution ring where he beat people. And he was able to plead out of a 40-year sentence for sexual assault because he had money and he had connections because he was feeding these victims, these these pimps, these these people like Elder Fernandez. To, to his own superiors. So what I'm saying is that Elder Fernandez was pushed bureaucratically to work within the same operation that has already been proven to be corrupted. And he was released from that hospitalization where he's probably traumatized. And we can only assume if he was in a hospital and he was being administered for a stay in a hospital, there has to be either something physically wrong 
emotionally wrong or psychologically wrong enough to warrant his stay in that hospital to begin with. And we can only assume that if the emotional or psychological is, is not enough, then if this guy had been sexually abused, this is a fucking 23-year-old army veteran. You know, he's a, he's a 23-year-old man who'd been working in the military for four years. He's a specialist in, you know, chemical, biological, radio, whatever. He's a grown-ass man being sexually harassed and, I I argue, I have a, being I have sexually abused. Physically. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was also have, 133 pounds and five foot four, which means he was a small man. I mean, like, yeah, yeah that's totally believable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's no he Bilbo Baggins, but I mean, okay, so I have a theory. Um, but he'd make a good bitch. <laughs> and I mean, bitch, not in a, I mean, a bitch in a <laughs> general way. A general word for women. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So, okay, so I have a, I have a theory, and I actually didn't know about this until. Alex Jones and Michael Malice returned to Tim Pool's podcast. You probably already know what I'm about to say, Noah. Oh, I love Do you that. remember yeah, yeah. them talking about fucking uh, Utah and other military bases are forcing men in the military to watch videos of men give other men blowjobs, gay porn, make them yeah. teach them how to give men blowjobs and make them walk around training. wearing high heels. Yeah, exactly, this is yeah. this is this is mainstream military training now. Dating back to 2015 this mainstream news stories. And I didn't know about this until I heard Alex Jones talk about it with Michael Malice on Tim Pool. Like, what was it, yesterday, day before? And I looked yep. into it, and that's fucking real. So what is this? What if this is like a this, this sexual abuse is like a systemic thing at most military bases? That's that's my argument for this whole presentation, okay. that it's not, it's not unique to Fort Hood, but it's a systemic thing. And it's, well, I can't imagine most military points. bases it's, have this amount of death that Fort Hood does, though, right? Well, that's what I'm saying is I think that shit, people started getting a little cocky. <laughs> Get a little cocky. <laughs> shit. Yeah. And shit got a little out of control. I think that people were maybe possibly riding on the chaos of the corona. Maybe people were having a difficulty or maybe an easier time adjusting. Because you got to imagine that, like, I mean, if the military is anything like the, anything like the, the the post office where I work, it took months before the post office had to adopt the protocols that grocery stores and restaurants had to do as far as the masking type stuff. I mean, you know, we're it took the post office forever to get on board, and I don't know if it's I I, I know it's not because there was resistance. Because believe me, there is no resistance. Everyone in the post office is a hundred percent in love with the masking and the fear and the profits and revenues of package sales but what i'm everyone saying everyone wants an unmasking other than michael flynn hey, oh. uh, yeah. was, <laughs> uh wait before we move on i want to make one more point about this yes. student him getting to the hospital right. and everything like that if he did have this psychological trauma from all this stuff and, and i mean possible i mean i mean psychosis I even, or, or, even or something too. like that yeah physical trauma as well raped. once he gets into the hospital um, they have so many different, uh, rights to basically give, give him whatever kind of drugs they want to. I mean, I, Absolutely. I, I went to the hospital not too long and ago. And he also for, has for the right seizure. to refuse. Right. But here's the problem is if, if they do get him on one drug, like one sedative or something like that, that the drugs they give you in a hospital are fucking hardcore, man. I mean, yeah. I went to the hospital recently and they gave me five doses of fentanyl. Um, oh, yeah, three doses, crazy, three doses of ketamine, 
multiple doses what of a benzodiazepine Why and multiple doses of a sedative. That? This was in within 10 hours. Or why did they think they so. get, why would they give that to you? What was wrong? Well, if you don't I, mind, I, I mean, I have a I have a seizure disorder, so I had a pretty hardcore seizure. But the thing is, is that the drugs that they gave me were all way too much. They put me on a ventilator as well because uh, I had. Well, well they're trying to kill you so they could test yeah, you for coronavirus. The cure can't be worse than the, the statistic. problem. Exactly. I had an irregular breathing, and they put me on a ventilator. They thought that was a, a justifiable reason to basically they put you shut on a my fucking lungs ventilator? down. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they could have my fucking killed down. you, dude. Exactly. Yeah, they're trying know, to kill you. Well, when they're when I got out of the hospital, I felt insane. I had insane social anxiety that would yeah. not stop, like I've never felt before for a week and a fucking half. And I think it might have oh, been. I mean, God. it's probably a combination of all the drugs that they gave me. I mean. Ketamine is a disassociative, and fentanyl yeah. is basically the most condensed Dope. version of heroin you can get. In a, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, definitely the easiest drug to overdose yeah. on. And it's sure, the easiest sure. drug to mix into dope, so you can sell little tiny packets, little ten pieces to junkies, and know that they're probably going to die. Right. Right. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing. Problem. They gave me five. They gave me five doses of it too. I mean, just. It, it was all insane. So I mean, and if I mean, this guy dude, I mean, got in there, you could have you could have pocketed you could have pocketed those doses. You know, <laughs> you could have just you could have put <laughs> them in not, your pocket, nah, you put them between the mattress. And take not when you were really unconscious. <laughs> I'm I'm unconscious, and it was through IV. So, but oh my <laughs> god, they were trying to kill you, Beamer. <laughs> so, okay, so tying Noah tying that into what happened to this guy. What were you saying? Because you started to get somewhere with that. Yeah, basically, I was just saying that, I mean, if he was underneath a lot of trauma and he got into a hospital that's run by military and he's in some sort of an abuse ward or something like that, he has some sort of a sexual abuse officer or something like that assigned to his case, they could essentially give him whatever drugs they wanted to. I mean, here's some, they could, when you're in a doped up state in a hospital, I mean, it's not on record, but nurses and shit ask you questions. I can vaguely yeah. remember nurses asking me incredibly private questions and me just opening up and telling them a bunch of shit I wouldn't even tell my dad. Like, I, I mean, I, I remember, like, uh, and I was on uh, allegedly on a psychedelic, but I remember after I got mugged at uh, Bonnaroo, like just even telling them what I thought they wanted to hear, just making up shit that wasn't even true. Like I told mm -hmm. them I had done DMT when I had never tried DMT in my life at that point. Wow. That's when weird. they asked what I was on. Wow. It was so, so weird. Little little side little, little, little side. So you were tripping at Bonnaroo and you got jacked? Yeah. While you were tripping. Uh, they got <laughs> about $150, $200 off me. And it was a there's a that's a long story for another day. Hey, um, Okay. Instead of uh, waiting until we finish this Fort Hood presentation, can we take our 10-minute break now? Because we've been recording over two hours, and I don't want to lose the recording. My my uh, recording saying I need to go ahead and save it now. It's got the pop-up because it's okay. all saved in browser. Is that yeah, cool? Yeah, all good. I think I'll do the same thing. Let's take our 10 minutes. Sorry, yeah, listeners. Sounds we're, good. Um, no, well, I'll, I'll play listen. some tunes while we're while we're on a break, and uh, I'll my presentation will be a lot shorter and not as cool and good as this one, but it'll also be, I mean, it's going to be real short because I did not do as much thorough research as you did. Clearly. I'm okay. really loving well, this yeah, though. This is fucking, so this is know. like, man, this is making me want right to on. really look into Oak Ridge because I feel like I could find like this Fort Hood stuff is blowing my mind. 
anyway, right yeah, take, so, let's take so you guys and... know, um, when, when we when we reconvene, I only have about another maybe twenty minutes of stuff. I swear, I know I underestimated last time, but I really only have one more death, and then a couple of wrap ups and some investigation stuff, and a couple throwback clips, and then we're gonna. I'm in for the man. long haul, man. I don't I don't give a shit. I'm I'm, I'm here as long as I need to be. I, I, I just want to hear I want to hear your theories on how all this shit's connected, man. Because I mean, this has got to be huge. Cool. All right. All well, right. I'll see you guys well, um, in about 10 minutes. So y'all was in Iraq together? Yeah, we was in Iraq. What did you do? We was looking for weapons of mass destruction. Did you ever find them? You know goddamn well we ain't find them. What are you, some kind of political humorist? You Gary Trudeau up in this bitch? I was looking for bitches, but they had that carpet shit all over them and I couldn't see what they looked like. All that was really exposed was the eyes, and that wasn't enough for me, because, you know, shit, I'm looking at the eyes, the eyes could be pretty, and I take that carpet off, and then I got a tragedy. Well, no, we ain't fine. But I always say the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. What? Simply because you don't have evidence that something does exist does not mean that you have evidence that something doesn't exist. What? What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English in what? What? English, motherfucker! Do you speak it? Yeah. So you understand the words I'm saying to you? Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that there are known knowns and that there are known unknowns, but there's also unknown unknowns. Things we don't know that we don't know. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you! I double dare you, motherfucker! Say what one more time! 